Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show. Broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adamazenheimer. And of course we're back with another packed show. Lots to talk about once again, the football just keeps coming across the country. We've so much to talk about. We're going to talk Whitecaps. We're going to talk MLS. We're going to talk the salaries that dropped this week. And there's certainly some interesting ones in amongst that. We're going to look at the Whitecaps' success with the, the girls' elite team, WFC2. Bring you an interview with Levante Johnson, one of the performers of WFC2. And I think the next guy many of us think is going to make the breakthrough to the first team. We'll talk FIFA as well. The Under-20 World Cups got underway. And we've got to talk about the horrendous World Cup 26 logo that was released this week. We'll get is into it, all of that. Is it that horrible? Oh, I, I think so. Let, let's save that talk okay. for part four. Okay. But I, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying I, I love it or anything. I just don't know if it's horrible. It, it's not great. But yeah, we'll we'll get into that in, in part four. And of course, we'll bring you our usual splattering of fantastic music as well. Before we get into any of that, how has your week been, Zach? How has my week been? Uh, yeah, it's been okay. I had a really good time uh, watching our uh, away match versus Forge uh, at uh, the Brookswood Brewing Company in South Langley. It was. It's... I was going to ask about that because we're not going to talk much CPL if, if at all in this, just because we've we've got. There's so, so much stuff on. to cram in, but I mean, how was that? Was that a, was that a good turnout? It was a decent enough performance considering coming off the that five 0 defeat. I wondered that that might hit your attendance numbers for yeah. Review. Well, I mean, dude, it was a four o'clock on a Friday. Oh yeah, that that as well. And we were and we were in South Langley. I mean, um, yeah, no, it was. Uh, I mean, there was whatever, like I don't know, eighteen twenty of, of our people plus a number of other people in the pub, and hey, that's good. And, and then five of the players came and hung out. So, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, a, a Bitar was there, and Wentworth, um, and, uh, Amir. Who else was there? Uh, oh, uh, Kane. And who's the was last? He oh, and, oh, and Mail Mail Henri was there as well. Ah, yeah. So it was, it was that was really nice, and um, it, yeah, it's it's been great. It's been one of the places that has actually 
been really proactive in reaching out to the, the, the fanatics and saying, hey, we really want to do some stuff together. And so oh, excellent. We, we knew it was Friday, four o'clock. We knew it was not mm. ideal, but it was nice to have a bunch of people there, including a few families. And um, uh, yeah, it, it was it was a little bit weird for me hanging out in South, South Langley at a place called BBC. That was different <laughs> than the BBC I used to hang out in. And very different to the BBC that I know as well. Exactly. And have hung out uh, at times as well over my my time over there but it, but it was great and the, and again kudos to the team and and to action for the performance i think the the solidification of that four at the back that would just i think the way we talked about in the last mm-hmm. podcast the way what he needed to do with Quackett right back and crawford left back and ibra and pele in the middle um obviously the we didn't produce a lot going forward but i think in a match like that um I think it's a very, very respectable uh, draw, and of course, the first ever league clean sheet. So, yeah, exciting. It, oh, it was. I hadn't, it was, I hadn't clicked with exciting. that, but yeah, yeah, it was encur- encouraging. Again, all the all the matches so far, except for one, we've been. We've yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it's been encouraging, and there's been a lot to to take from. I mean, even that Ottawa game, I think it's maybe been like every team sometimes needs that moment of oh wait a minute, look what this team's just done to us. But then you go and see Ottawa get spanked by, by Cavalry this week as well. Well, ex- exactly. I don't remember saying on the show last week, but I was talking to, I think it was, well, it was, it was Callum's dad after the game. And he was like, yeah, last year, Ottawa, who finished top of the league table, they got crushed by York one match, like or mm-hmm. York or no Valor. I think it was Valor, 6-1 or something. So it it happens. It, yeah, from time it's a weird league. I'm like, I mean, it's one of those leagues. Everyone is capable of of beating everyone, and you can say that for a lot of leagues around the world. Although not all, but <laughs> I, I wanted to talk to you about the four p.m. kickoff. Now we we've talked before in the show the, these Friday night games. It's because the CFL owners say we do that in the CFL. This is what's great. You saw that crowd in Forge, and it was not great. You've got a holiday Monday weekend. Surely that's when you want to put the games on, on on yeah. a holiday and get folk to come out and make a big occasion off it. I totally hear you. I, I uh, you see, I think our other game at Forge is also a Friday night, our other <sighs> away game there, it, it, which is which is fun. I mean, it is what it is. You know, Mitchell and Young or whatever they they want Friday night games at their stadium. Mm. They like that as a part of the culture within their community. And they want, I guess, both kinds of football on Friday night as much as possible. And yeah, but but do I, the fans is the is the question, and it's like surely you have to factor that into it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm thankful. I think we only have one or two games at home that are on Fridays. Yeah, uh, that Pacific one. That was unfortunate. But the other Pacific one is a one. The other Pacific one is a one o'clock Saturday. So hopefully that more, which is also slightly unfortunate for the traveling fans as well, because it's a a super early start. Because I, I know like when the island teams come over to play League One, they're having to get the ferries at like 7, 8 in the morning, and it's not conducive to a, to a team doing well. I mean, I, I'd imagine Pacific would come over the night before. Yeah. And, interestingly, I... talking of that, like the Whitecaps, for their game against Pacific this week, which we, we won't delve into actually in this podcast because we hope to bring out uh, an extra podcast just looking specifically at that game, just so we don't date this podcast right away, because it's obviously going to be coming out on Tuesday, that game's on Wednesday, we want to keep this kind of fresh for folk to listen to over the week. But, like, TSS went over on the Tuesday, trained at Starlight on the Tuesday afternoon, but the Whitecaps are training here, and then getting the ferry Tuesday afternoon. 
And that's interesting, but I thought they would have wanted to go over because the last time, obviously, Mark took the team over. We went and, and watched them over there uh, at the training session on the Tuesday as well. Maybe they wanted to do things a little different this time. Yeah, it'll be... Well, of course, Vanny wasn't traveling with the team then. Right, Vanny was with the team. Yeah, so he's, that, he's yeah thinking, that's He's true. thinking a different point. That, that would be one of my... Yeah, I don't think I'll be able to join you for the... the the pregame stuff or whatever, but that would be definitely one of my questions is how he's approaching this differently in particular because he was not involved in this way or in, in any that would, way. Yeah, I won't actually make the pregame call as well because it's right oh, when I'm okay. on the ferry. I'm going to try, but obviously internet connections on the ferry is, is not fantastic. But yeah, that that's an, an interesting game this week. We've got the US Open Cup and we've got the, the Canadian Championship in full flow. Yeah. It's just so much football. I'm like talking about Vancouver FC. I got to see a couple of your guys on Saturday for Unity. They were they came on as subs, the development yep. players. One of them, James Cameron, yep. which set me off on lots of Titanic jokes during the commentary. Yeah, it was a bit of a shipwreck actually for Unity. They got beat four 0 by TSS, but they they made amends today by spanking Nosomot five 0 <laughs> So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about leagues that everyone can beat everyone else. TSS on a run, though. That's what you like to see. Get back in the Canadian Championship. Keep me in a job. But <laughs> let's get into the, the meat and potatoes now of this show. And we're, we're going to start by talking Whitecaps and Whitecaps in Major League Soccer. It was a two-game week. They won one. They lost one. The Whitecaps mammoth month of May is continuing apace. Five games in 15 days under the belt so far. It's been a bit of a grind. It's going to be an eight-game month. Uh, it was starting to feel as well that they might maybe be undoing all the good work that they had done to, to turn the team's fortunes around. Because Glass City actually put a very interesting tweet out before the Seattle game that if they had lost that game against Seattle they would have been at, on the same points as they were last year at this stage where everyone talks about it being a terrible start. Mm -hmm. But it hasn't felt like last year. It's actually felt like it's been a good start. It's it's weird, the perception, but obviously that win then made, made it better anyway. There was the midweek loss in Dallas that left them with a quite a big, for me, couldn't afford to lose matchup with Cascadian rival Seattle. A BC mm -hmm. place on Saturday. I'd have taken a draw. Obviously, you wanted to win, but I would have taken a draw just with Seattle starting the season well and a little bit of a, a slump of late. But the Whitecaps, they rose to that challenge that was ahead of them. And with the team approaching a year now since their last league win away from home, which was down in Dallas last June, this road form is making these home matches all the more important, all the more crucial. They've already dropped three points to RSL at home, two points to Dallas, two points to Colorado. So seven points given up and badly all against Western rivals as well, which isn't conducive to making the playoffs if you're not finding a, a way to win on the road. So I know it's early to say they kind of have to win out at home, but if they can't start picking these points up away, away from home, Zach, they kind of have to make every single point count at home. Yeah. Yeah, they... 
when yeah if you're if you're not getting a few, you know enough draws and the odd win on the road then yeah you do have to kind of be almost impeccable at home which they haven't exactly been uh so far this year but you know thinking about the game on wednesday in dallas it was totally a, a case like we've talked about this a lot there's been a lot of gifts handed out this year in mls and it was absolutely it was like christmas down in oh, dallas because yeah, you had for, for both teams well you had we well, had gift jesus gift jesus it was just like it was incredible because that opening goal was a gift for vite then yeah. jesus scored then the white caps gave jesus a gift and he scored again yeah i mean we won't dwell too much in the dallas match but i do want to touch on it because they, they did deserve to lose that and oh i thought vanny didn't he thought they deserved to win that I thought Dallas were the better team. But, I mean, a, a, a draw maybe you could have argued was a fair result, but yeah, those defensive plays cost them dear. I, they went ahead from probably the worst defensive mistake in the match. Vite easily fires home. Martin pays. A moment of madness. Yeah. It's like he just doesn't look up, or if he looks up, he just doesn't see Vite behind his own player or whatever. Given that ball away in the 23rd minute, that was horrible for I've seen, the keeper. I've seen worse than this last week. Yeah, but, um, we've the, seen that, worse in St. Louis games. Yeah, there, there was a, a, a crazy one in the Bundesliga this weekend. Um, but um, where the player hadn't realized that a, a guy, the play was kind of moving upfield and he hadn't realized that one of the strikers had gone into the net after he missed his chance. Oof. And so this mid midfielder, Amiri from Leverkusen, had his head down and was kind of cutting back into the middle and thought he was under pressure. He's like, I'm just going to pass back to my keeper and pass it right to uh, Marcus Taram, who, who was standing in front of his keeper, and he just laid it off for Lars Stindl to score an equalizer. And that was the second gift in that game. Anyways, um, but no, the one thing I found, the thing I found maybe even not stranger, but also stranger about the goal other than the giveaway was Vite celebrating it like, like it was like the greatest goal ever? Do you see he went and slid into the corner like it was like? Hey, every goal should be celebrated oh, to the hey, max. Every, oh, every goal should be celebrated, but I think the celebration usually should be in line with with the goal in some way. It just felt it was felt like an awkward celebration for a uh, for that that kind of gift. I know it was well, nice, it was his it was first, nice first one of the season, hit. I think. Was it? I don't. Maybe, I think maybe it really. wasn't actually. Maybe no, I don't think it was. Earlier. Yeah, he scored this year. I'm pretty sure. He's a guy, and we'll talk about him a little bit when we get to salaries as, as well, that I, I think more is expected of him than he's been producing. So possibly getting that goal makes him feel, oh, that's taking a little bit of the pressure off me, obviously, then backing it up this weekend as well. But mm. uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a gift. And I mean, he took it well. You still have to put the ball in the back of the net after getting that chance. But then it was pretty much as good as it got for the Whitecaps. Yeah. O'Brien danced his way past defenders to set up the chance for, for Dallas's equaliser. And it, it was a he heavy first touch from Ferreira. But I, I thought he had overrun it, but he recovered well. Put it past Takaoka. The slip up by Brown, though, to help set that up was also poor. And it allowed Ferreira to have so much time to just kind of deal with everything. And then the winner for Dallas in the 54th, horrible stuff by Ranko. Jesus pounced with the second. It, it was well broken up by Dallas and then played into Ferreira. 
But I don't know. Ranko just can't take that much time on the ball. No. It was really, really poor. It's so poor that he left town. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll come to that. We'll come to that, okay. Because okay. that, yeah. I, I don't think that's a good look. I'm maybe just being really harsh on well, on the guy. Yeah. But yeah, well, I mean, we'll, yeah, we'll come to that. But I mean, after that, I was a bit despondent of are are we have we thrown away all this good work that we've done because you looked at Seattle coming to town they had a lot of injuries they've had a couple of bad results of late but these games you don't know what's happening but then we saw Freddie Montero was starting up front and I was like ah that's fine I'm a little bit yeah their injuries I think really hurt hurt them in this game not having Raul Ruiz Diaz and um I mean who wouldn't want him who wouldn't want him? Of course, yeah. Um, he he would have changed that game. You would have think, would have thought. Um, well, he would have made them look better because I thought Seattle were awful. The good that's, role that's Dan, one of the worst I've seen. Yeah, Seattle. for sure. The good role Dan was also not playing. Yeah, and for some reason they didn't start. Uh, what's his name? Joao. Uh, Joao Paulo is it? Yeah. Yeah, I was shocked that he wasn't starting. And Especially John Morris, after his fantastic start to the season as well, was just kind of hit a, a bit of a wall. He was like firing he, it in. They're all, oh, golden boot potential, blah, blah, blah. He looked fairly useless in this match. Yeah, well, I I would argue most of Seattle looked fairly useless. I mean, this Seattle game, it's the only home game in a spell of six games across all competitions away from home. So they needed to... To, to get something from this and you wanted to see a bounce back from that Dallas game and the, the weekend before by the loss as well so it was going to be interesting to see what, how they approached it I thought it was a fairly even first half and a pretty an exciting first half as well I know the radio guys were saying that they felt that Vancouver should be up and they were dominating the game but I mean I thought I, I thought it was a, a, an even half Vancouver probably just shaded it and they did go in with the lead. Yeah. 44th minute. Yeah. With the. Uh, this goal, I, I think you talk about your know, Vite with a great first touch away to Dallas. His first touch on this goal was horrendous. It, it was a little bit like Ferreira's for his goal when I, I felt he'd kind of overrun it. Yeah, yeah. One. It was and a bad like you touch. Felt the Vite had done that as well. Yeah. And then allowed the Seattle defender to get in between, who then should have cleared the ball. Yeah. He felt, he felt Vite's arm on his back and went down. And then Vite just poked it home. And you and I were messaging with us at the time. Yeah. I think in other leagues, there would have been a little bit of a slower roll to restart the game. But I think. In some it would leagues, have been very I, harsh. I could have seen that called back, but I agree with you. It would have been it would have been really harsh because I really feel the defender just like felt the arm touches back. I was like, okay, I'm going to go down to save myself uh, or to tr- try and. You Which know, is a ridiculous a thing to do because oh, you totally. never know if you're going to get that decision. Exactly. And, but then I, I I don't know. Should Fry have come off quicker to get it? Was he hesitant because the defender was there? <laughs> Well, I think Fry is expecting his defender. I forget which defender it was. I can't now. remember who it was either um, off the top of my head. But he was, I think Fry's like, oh, he's, uh, you know, this ball's in played. And it was a good ball. It was a good ball from Vancouver in. 
but um he's like oh this bad first touch from vite my defender has it i can stay i can stay put no problem and then yeah i i, I find it hard to blame fry on that one well, I, 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 we can blame him on the second one. I oh yeah, but, on th- one. there's there's certainly blame blame to go around for for my donut eating friend, in <laughs> in this one. I think maybe too much donuts is possibly what it was. But what I would say about that goal is the the tenacious play from Vite. Like he didn't give up on it at all. Oh, it was Alex Roldan. It was yeah, the, the it was bad the Roldan that was, it was the, the bad Roldan. Yeah. Yes, and you had put it in the match report. I just. Couldn't remember who it was off the top of my head. Yeah, he plays. He plays. So his brother plays for the U.S. He plays for his. Is it El Salvador? Yes, or Guatemala, but I think it is El Salvador. Yeah, because yeah, they were in the they were in the octo. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he should have done better there. But I mean, Vite didn't give up on it, and no. it was a lovely little poke, and it was yeah. superbly captured by our photographer Caroline as well. The perfect moment of the poke to put it past him as well. Which we had as our, our our lead photo for the the match report, but no, I mean, he did well to keep on that. Now, now that I think about it, I I think I realize why he celebrated like he did in Dallas, because in Dallas he was playing on real grass. <laughs> That's why he did the two knee slide in Dallas, because he's like, yeah, I can't you don't do, do that home. on the BC place. Can't do this BC place. I'm going to take advantage of this grass. <laughs> <laughs> because I thought a bigger celebration would have been better for this goal, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, it, it put the Whitecaps one 0 up, and if they'd gone in, if the teams had gone in level, I wouldn't really have complained. I think Vancouver did edge the first half, so yeah, they went in with the lead. They were the far better team in the second half. Seattle, maybe the first five minutes had a little bit yeah. of forays forward and like taking it to the game, but then after that, just yeah, they had like the one, they had one or two, it down. They had one or two chances there at the beginning of the half, yeah. right? where you thought, oh, maybe they're going to get back into it. Yeah, but I think Takoka had one save, a header over or something. Yeah, they had, they, um, it really felt like um, both Ladero and Rusnak were like not in optimal form. I mean, I yeah, know the Rusnak's whole... Rusnak's disappointing. Like, he was so good with RSL and I really was, I was like, oh, if we could get him here, that would be fantastic. And then he went to Seattle and you're like, oh, that's just going to make them so good. Yeah. And again, he started the season in fairly good form, but like a few of these guys seems to have just hit a little bit of a a dip, which is better to do it now, having got some early points on the board, than sort of in the, the running when you're really kind of battling for stuff, I guess. I, I still hope that this is Ryan Gold's worst spell of form that, we, that we've had over the season. He's going to finally go through. He thought he had his, his first goal of the season. Hmm cruelly taken away from him and i checked on sunday as well with the the caps when i was at wfc2 just to see if there'd been any other changes but no it's definitely down as a stephen fry own goal there was a lot of confusion because it was given as a fry own goal and i thought yeah that's how they do it in mls it was announced in the stadium as ryan's yes then it was given as an own goal yeah then on the broadcast they said no they've given it to ryan yep but properly, they, are you saying they properly accredited to Fry? It's properly down as Fry, yeah. and it's not changing. That was yeah. the white cap message you, on Sunday. You can't, you can't call that a, like I know MLS has done this in the past, where they're like, oh, it's better to better look to have, give a guy a goal than to give someone an own goal. And so they, uh, there's been other times where they've totally, whether it's the league, the statisticians for them, whoever it is, making this decision, and said, no, let's give the goal to the player, the attacking player. When it has not been, when it has been an own goal, 
And this one, I was just like, how can you possibly, like, the, the shot is taken. I think he even gets a piece of it, but it goes off the post and it hits Fry in the back and goes in. There's no Anything there's that no usually comes off the woodwork and then off the keeper. Yeah. It goes down as a, a keeper on goal. And that's in the league's all over the place. It's, it's like a, it's like how the game works. Yeah. But what I would say, though, I, it, it needs to be really spelled out if it isn't already, which I think it probably is. But just because with more and more betting coming into the game over here, if someone had, oh, Whitecaps oh, yeah. to win with gold to score, and then that bet's out the window because they've given it as an own goal. So it is something that could cause issues. Yeah. Because well, no one's obviously going to have Fry to score. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe, well, actually maybe going now, or maybe already, or maybe going forward, the, there are will be more odds for own goals. Mm. Right? But like... Well, it's, I mean, it's the second the, the of the Whitecaps right now. Yeah, my, by my understanding, by the laws of the game, it, it's a clear own goal. Like, there's no, there's yeah. no debate. There's no like argument. I heard, I heard some people saying, "Oh no, it's obviously his goal." I'm just like, then you don't understand the laws of the game because this when is... I first saw it, though, I thought it had just gone under his body and he'd fumbled yes. it. I yeah, didn't that... know it had hit off the same. same. Yeah. It wasn't until I saw the replay where I realized, oh, and it hit the post and hit him in the back and went in. Which is yeah. probably why it was originally given to Ryan, and then it's yeah. like, oh no, but no in the stadium, in the stadium, it's fine, whatever, yeah. but. But then, then change it, and then to change it back in the course of the game was was it was kind of weird. Well, then it was going back and forward, like we were getting some messages going. Oh, apparently it has been given, and then the White Cats like, no, it's not, and it's like, well, the the broadcasters are saying it is. Um, I I did hear afterwards though that when Ryan found out he hadn't got the goal, he was absolutely gutted because he thought he got off the mark for the season. Yeah. So, I mean, that is tough on him because you saw the joy in his face and the celebration, the kind of relief as well but, for him. But, the, I mean, yes, obviously it would be better if it was a credit to him, but it's still like he's the one who made that goal. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. So hopefully he can be buoyed by that, you know? Hopefully. I mean, n nice shot. The Whitecaps had had a couple of chances before that as well. Um, like the minute before they had a couple of chances and then gold with a shot, it goes in, it's 1-0. That was basically the game. They saw it out fairly comfortably. Seattle, yeah. you expect them just to like really launch attacks at them and go for it. It just it was not there from them. You, you, I think you sort of already said this, but like, have you ever seen a worse Seattle performance at BC no. Place? No, I don't think so. It's like you think of some of the past games, and then you think of some of the games down there that we've been at over the years or watched on TV over the years, and it's like they've just destroyed us. Yeah, but. Yeah, and there was a really good uh, great, great. section of crowd up as well yeah. from Seattle for this as well. There's I, mean, five, five, I think 500 away supporters. That's the one thing about the game too. You know, I know it's not quite where it used to be, but it was. It was even just watching on Apple TV Plus. It was good to see like a better crowd, even from like the get go. You're like, okay, there's more. There's more people here. So an announced crowd of 19,000, uh, and again, um, you know. I've been someone who's been very critical. So at the same time, I think you need to give credit where credit's due. You know, uh, reading some of the press releases and stuff this week, you can see that they're working very hard. Oh, like that, the one press release, I don't know if you read it, where it's like, here's the 18 ways we're yeah. trying to get people involved and get people to the game this week. And they had all so the youth clubs that were there as well. Yeah. And for a holiday weekend, holiday weekend in gorgeous weather, I was a little worried yeah. because of what we've seen at the previous games and coming off back-to-back -back defeats as well in the league, you're like, oh, 
Did anyone see those as but well? Even, so even, but even, uh, even a couple of things. E even with the the youth teams, I don't, I don't, I've never seen, and maybe I've just missed it, but I've never seen messaging from them about engaging so many clubs at once, kind mm. of thing. They've done things where it's like, hey, there's a tournament in town, all the teams with the tournament are here, or whatever. And I will say, I think this is in part, um, and you and I've talked about this before. This is in part again because they're they. Uh, they have to be more intentional in how they're engaging with the clubs because they're not the only uh they're not the yeah. only football, you know, football club in town. And so they know that Vancouver FC is you know actively, you know, engaging with a bunch of the big clubs in the in the area and and all over the lower mainland, um, uh, big and small clubs. And so again, so they're working really hard. Uh credit to all those who, you know, who are involved with that, whether it's the marketing or the you know, affiliations or whatever, whatever the, whatever the department is, or the people who, you know, you know, they did a, I think they did a, a really respectable job in getting the stadium to what, like the second highest attendance since opening day. And um, for them, you know, I, you know, I, I know Axel a little bit from, from things and I know his, his approach will be good job. Everyone, we need to keep going. We need to, we need to be yeah. even better. And so it, it's, know, how do you get those people back? And yeah, a good well, way to get them back is a winning team on the pitch. It's like, oh, I enjoyed that. That was a great occasion. We saw a couple of goals. The team won. That's what draws people back. And it's interesting because you were messaging going, oh, it looks a good crowd. And I said to you, I think it's probably about 19. And it was out 19 yeah. or something in the end. So that was your perception. And what did you think of the atmosphere? Before I say anything else, did you think it was? How did that come across okay. on the TV? Atmosphere on TV, you—you uh, you were in the stadium. You got to tell me what you think. But I'll just say, for TV, you cannot fully judge atmosphere on TV, especially at MLS matches. And I think BC Place is not alone, the lone stadium mm. in that, because when you're watching a broadcast, and this is not just MLS, this is games across, around the world. The broadcast plays a role in how they are miking and what levels they're yep. giving. To the supporters and how the commentators or, are because when it's remote commentators you often don't get the crowd levels either exactly so it was it didn't sound um, like the atmosphere didn't sound amazing on the broadcast but it was it was the way they mixed in the visual the visuals of what you know the supporters of both sets of supporters and just the the, the game the stadium in general i think were it was it was encouraging and it was it was positive but you tell me what was it actually like in the stadium? How good was it in the stadium? Was, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was excellent atmosphere. You could because in the press box were right in the middle, so yeah. my seat's pretty much at the halfway line for for this season. So in the past, previous years, I always had wanted to sit down at the bottom near the south side, as near Carver, just to hear all that. But then they've moved things about. I've been more in the middle for the last couple of years, and I actually right, quite yeah. like it. Um, so you could hear in both ears, you could hear both sets of fans really loud, nice. non-stop, pretty much for the whole game. And I thought nice. it was a tremendous atmosphere. And, and credit to the, um, I know uh, the, uh, the the Unified J section now has like a capo stand at the front that Peter, yeah. I think Tobin and Shane are using. And so... And there was some, like both sets, uh, both groups had megaphones as well. No one threw them on the pitch after Not the really. game. That's wow. always a plus as well. But the reason I was asking that is a, a media member that wasn't there, and I won't say who it was. Oh, I can our, guess. Yeah, probably. And our media chat was saying, oh, this is a terrible crowd. And I was like, no, it's not. I mean, this is a really good crowd. It's probably about 19. And he's like, no, no. And then he's like, oh. So it wasn't, so it wasn't hard. 
<laughs> no. Um, then he's like, oh, this is a terrible atmosphere. I was like, what? I went, is your TV broken or something? Because it's like, right, yeah. there's a good crowd here and there's there's like a good yeah. atmosphere. So yeah, to, 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 to the, like I said, to, to be fair to them on TV, mm. the atmosphere, the especially the vocal atmosphere doesn't come through, or in this match I found didn't come through. Um, that's fair. And, and that's not on the supporters. That's more on how the broadcast chooses to do levels or their limitations and how they can bring the levels through or whatever. It's not on the on the on the the supporters. Yeah, I heard lots of positive uh, mm. positive comments from you know this, from within the stadium and stuff as well that things were really really good and meaningful. And of course, when you when you win what is arguably your most important one your your most important match of the year uh, at home, you know against Seattle. You're going to send home people home happy, and they're yeah. going to be positive. Well, so. it's two Cascadia wins now at BC totally. Place as well, which is fantastic. You, you'll love this. During the game, Har was watching the two sets of fans and the the ECS and all the Seattle fans. They had lots of flags with them, and she's like, "Why is there no flags in the south side?" I went, "Oh, don't start me on that, Har." <laughs> there are flags there. Is she there, blind? There, there wasn't a lot waving for, uh, for this oh, game, yeah. to be fair. Well, see, ECS has the more the approach of flags during play, which is, I know, your favorite thing. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, covering that Seattle performance with a flag would have been a godsend, <laughs> I, I think, for the, the traveling support. But one thing, they did this video thing at halftime uh, on Vancouver Albion. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I don't know if it's up maybe on the website or wherever as well, because I know they put a lot of these on the social media. But I've spoken before. I think Vancouver Albion have been a breath of fresh air to the support. Also, I should thank them as well. They gave me a, a keep me in it, put the photo out, I took it, they gave me a scarf at the, the TSS game. So thank you for that. That was appreciated. But they did this video piece, so many of them are moving on at the end of this school year because they're either going to colleges at the other side of the country or they're going traveling around the world. So it's going to be interesting to see these key leaders of this group moving on. Are the other ones going to still keep that level going and how much of an impact will that have? Because they've been fantastic. Yeah, well, yeah, because it's supposed to be like a youth supporter thing, a youth supporter, a youth like a youth a supporter group for youth for by youth. youth yeah and but it's weird because i think they're like their older people are no longer youth right they're, they're yeah they're so then the 20s or whatever. Now, so and yeah. then yeah when you, yeah you, yeah as they move on then are they going to re-replace i mean th this is it, it that's a microcosm of the bigger of one of the bigger issues for any supporter group right as people get older or move away you do you have more people coming and filling their taking their places right there was a funny bit at the end of the video because they were all saying, oh, I'm I'm going to uh, Halifax to study this or I'm going to travel the world or I'm going to Europe. And there's all these folks that were leaving and then there's one guy at the end and he's like, I'll still be here. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it was really well done. It was a fantastic piece. Yeah. I hope it is up on social media that folk can find it if they didn't see it uh, at half time. Yeah, they're, they're a nice bunch of guys. Uh, Tobin was over at the, um, uh, did you meet him? Was it at the, oh no, you weren't there. Yeah. He was over at the first game in Victoria, in Victoria, the Vancouver FC first game in Victoria. Oh yeah. By, no, I wasn't over Came by and that. chatted and whatever. Yeah. They were out at the TSS Valor game, uh, a lot of the guys yeah. and we'd got their photographer, like a pass for the game and, and stuff as well. So 
Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know much much about everything of their internal workings, but I do know they have a good drum. Yeah, it, they do. It was very loud on Saturday, I thought as well. But back to the the Whitecaps. That win lifted them to seventh in the Western Conference standings by the, the end of the weekend. I'm great. I mean, it's not even in the wild card game now. We're in a proper playoff. Because at, so, at some point in the weekend, were they as far down as eleventh? Uh, like in the middle of the weekend or something, or middle oh, of the before. like from games in play. Oh, I, I don't so. know. I think so. I oh, swear. No, looking at it, yeah, actually, if if I take their three points off and they hadn't got those three points, yeah, they would have been twelfth. Yeah. So at some point in the weekend, they were eleventh, I think, for sure. Oh wow! I mean, we, we won't delve into the the other games, but just to go over the results, DC spanked LA Galaxy three 0 and I'll talk a little bit about the Galaxy when we talk about salaries in part three. And Canadian content, Montreal got beat by New York Red Bulls. Back yeah. in the West, it was Austin 1, Toronto 0. Uh, we will talk just a little bit about that one. Oh, my. Or more the the comments afterwards from Ben Ardesky that yeah. you can only take to mean Bob Bradley has to go. Yeah, well, when he says we need to change tactics... Something has to change. We need to change tactics. Let me get the exact quote up here because I hadn't seen it because I hadn't been on Twitter because I'd been so busy with other stuff. And when you sent it, I was like, oh, wow. It's like, we don't have ideas on how to play. This city, the fans, nobody deserves this. I think maybe we need to change something. We need a little bit more tactics. We need an idea on how to play. It's impossible to play like this. It's a big, big problem for me. So it's like, I think maybe it's like he's trying to water it down and then just f fully goes off on, yeah. yeah, the tactics are shit. I, I can't play like this. We, we can't have play no like idea this. in what we're doing out there. Uh, uh, to be fair, not be fair, but one element of this, they've had some bad injuries, right? Like a couple, well, they, a couple of their games, have. I've, been, I've been like, who are these guys in their back line? Well, I keep getting, because <laughs> like, I'm on their up. mailing list, I keep getting things off. Oh, we've called up all these players yeah. for this game. And it's like, oh... <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's been hard, it's been hard hit by injuries. Maybe they should have kept Caden Chung. Yeah, they could. They should have. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad they didn't, but they should have. Yeah, he probably. Well, and even even Luke, Luke, even Lucas, Lucas, Lucas Minan, I think. Oh, of course, way, yeah. way more games than they. What did they trade him for? A bag like of bombs. Yeah. No, they. I think they didn't. They get something back. Oh, was that the Sapong deal? Possibly. They, I'm he, sure they got a player back. Anyways, it's it seemed weird. You ask me about things from last month. It's like barely remember last week with a lot of these things. It, it just seemed it seemed a weird move to me at the time. Yeah, but, but I mean, for when one of your top guys like Bernardeski's coming out and saying that, that can only turn the the pressure up. Well, yeah, on. he's one of as we'll talk about later. He's one of the top ten earners in the league. So that's never never good. He's one of the top four earners in the league. There you which go. is never good. But yeah, oh, uh, it's a it's a mess. Well, I mean, it's a mess at LA Galaxy. It's a mess at Toronto. Um, the other results from the Western teams. I mean, that that one 0 win for Austin. They they were badly needing that. Yeah. Dallas won. Houston won in the Texas Derby. RSL came away with a three two win against Colorado. Colorado. Colorado <laughs> in the Rocky Mountain. I I watched St Louis Kansas City. Uh, because it was on the TSN game, so I'd PVR'd that. Oh boy, that looks a tough one for the Whitecaps to go 
to, to City Park next week. Yeah. They destroyed Kansas City. Although defensively, they destroyed themselves. Yeah. And they are badly missing Timelia. Like, McIntosh, for me, is not this level of, of, of keeper, especially when you've not got a great defense in front of you. They chewed up McIntosh and spit him out. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be very difficult for Vancouver to go there, especially after a midweek game on the island. Yeah, it's a long journey because they're coming back here to train on the, the Tuesday and I think the Friday as well. And then they're flying to, to St. Louis because I thought they might have just gone straight from the island to St. Louis, but no. Uh, I don't think you can charter a ferry from from there. It would be a long, <laughs> long trip. I, I I believe my my moles told me they did look to see if they could charter a ferry to the island Oh, for, for this game, which would have been an interesting one. Um, yeah. It was LAFC 2, San Jose 1 in the California, well, it's not the California Classical, I guess, because that's the LA Galaxy. Do they have a name for this one? Are they just trying to make a rivalry out of this one because they're from California? I don't know. But, I mean, this is a battle between two teams that's been in good form. Mm-hmm. And they needed a 95th minute penalty from Vela to seal the points here. It was a good game. Yeah, but they keep they keep on going. They keep on chugging, eh? Oh, yeah. I mean, they, they keep winning. And uh, again, when we get to the salaries, you look to see where they are salary-wise and you can't just say, oh, it's because they've bought all these players because that isn't necessarily the case. Minnesota yeah. beat Portland 1-0, which I think was the shock result for me in, in the West this weekend after what Portland did to us last Saturday. Yeah, and, and Vancouver's game against Minnesota, yeah. Mm, well, yeah, that as well. And again, a 95th minute winner for Minnesota in this one. Longwani, is that how you pronounce his name? I don't know. We'll go with that. Yeah, we'll go with that. I, I'm one of the names. So I got that... the song in my head going in my head that you can't play because of because of uh, oh, the it, Minnesota it's song. Cold, like, they were cold like Minnesota at yeah, that cold, penalty. Ice cold at the end. Little Yachty's coming to play here. Oh, nice. I wonder if we got him... To record the song for us as a bumper, Ooh. could we play it or would that still get... Are you going? You should go get a... This is Little Yachty. You listen to AFTN and then get him just to sing it. Oh, that'd be superb. I'll see if I can and can wangle away to that. I haven't been to a rap concert for a while. I'm trying to think. Like, I've seen the Wu-Tang Clan, but that was at a festival. Uh, Beastie Boys a number of times. Haven't seen Word or Mad Hat McGore. I got oh. into them after I left. Need to need them what about, to play. What about your friend who's in that gang? Goldie Looking Chain? No. <laughs> They're coming up later in the show with a new single. You'll love it. It's about Adidas. And it mentions Jesus. It's like it your a, perfect song. Is it about you mean it's about Adidas? Adidas. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the Western Conference standings. LAFC out in front, twenty-five points. And they've got two games in hand on Seattle, who are second now on 23. St. Louis, the Whitecaps opponents next week on 22. Dallas on 22. San Jose 18. Minnesota 18. Vancouver on 17. Portland and Austin on 16. Below the line, Houston 15. Salt Lake 15. Colorado 12. And Kansas City and LA, who look like they may have been turning things around... Second bottom, Kansas on 10. Bottom, now, the LA Galaxy on 9. 
and Vanny still has a job, and Bob Bradley still has a job. But the, is this the, the week? <laughs> but uh, has anything happened with the LA executives though? Because I know that's part with the boycott. Yeah, or... no. But in the U.S. Open Cup on Tuesday, it's LAFC, LA Galaxy. Oh, that yeah. could be the final straw for Vanny if LA, and it's at LAFC. But as much as as much as Vanny's having a horrible year, and I, I someone who have have a little bit of time for him, uh, I don't don't love the guy or anything, but I have a little bit of time for him. I, I still think it's the guys above him that need to go. That Chris Klein needs to go. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, not, there, there's a lot of questions also. to ask about how they've built that squad, much yeah. like in Toronto as well. And when yeah. again, we'll look at the salaries in part three. And it is the the higher ups that you feel it just needs a clear out. But you've still been given some good talent, and you're not getting the results out of the talent that you've got. Because you, you no, look that, at that that's, team. Oh, that's, that's totally a fair criticism. Yeah, if he went, he if he went with them, that I think that would be fair as well. But yeah. I think at that at that organization, the people who need to go first are as Chris well, Klein and the other person's name, but yeah, Chris I Klein think, for sure. I think the the fans are certainly in agreement with that. Yeah. But we'll, we'll have that chat another day. But I mean, this could be an interesting week to watch for any managerial changes in MLS. But that was a good win for the Whitecaps, a much-needed win for the Whitecaps. There's a couple of other talking points I want to unpack from the game just around players, and we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Ryan Gold and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part from 2001, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of May, Irish band Ash. That is the second single taken from the band's third album, Free All Angels. That was Burn, Baby Burn. It reached number 13 in the UK charts, won a couple of Single of the Year awards when it was released, and you might recognise the guitar riffs from being used in lots of football highlights and shows over over the years. It's a very well-known song by theirs and one of their best ones. So we're going to continue talking Whitecaps in this part, and I want to just have a little bit 
a chat about some of the players just coming out of that win over Seattle to kick this part off. And then we'll turn our attention to WFC2 and the, the girls Rex Elite as well to round this part off. So for that Seattle game, Zach, Vanny went with a 3 4 2 1. With Laborda playing as a centre back. Was it? I, I think I heard on the broadcast. Did they, was it? Or actually, I think I heard on the pregame show on the radio, which was great. If oh, yes. Missed, Eric Hasley. Eric Hasley interview. Which made me think, why have we not had him on the show? Yeah. Feel, Where's I, my I, card? I, I thought as well. I messaged him right after. I was like, dude, I just heard that you're, it was so good. And he was like, oh, thanks, man. Um, yeah, he, yeah, I'm sure we could have him on. I'm sure he'd be happy to be Oh, on. yeah. Um, uh, so anyways, they said, in the, I think the, in the, I think it was the radio show. This is the first time they've, they've actually done the back three this year. Is yes, that right? It is. Okay. So I thought that was, I mean, I thought it was bold. Like I, I thought it was I, very I heard, bold. When I heard that, I was just like, oh, this is I, the formation. I heard, oh, that's, that's like, this is not great. And then I heard Laborda was playing in the middle of the back three with uh, Blackman. Okay, fine. And then Brown. Oh, okay. Okay. I was, I was less like, oh, this could be bad. This but then, be, then I saw the bad. Seattle lineup and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was not a weekend Seattle lineup for sure. But, um, and then, okay, Martins was uh, left back. And then, uh, who was that right back again? Oh, oh Ali. Oh, uh, Ali was playing right back, yes. right, right wing back. Which I thought I also thought okay, an inverted winger uh, on the one side. I thought okay, it's kind of, kind of interesting, kind of interesting. Um, and then I was a little surprised that Cordoba was left out. Um, but yeah, yeah, a lot to well, unpack just from he, what you yeah. said there. He's like, not in great form, obviously. No, but. like Laborda. First of all, I, I thought did really well. Yes, and I, again, we'll talk a little bit more about him in the next part with salaries, but. It's only the second time he's played center back since the San Jose away game, right? Yeah, and I don't know. Like last year, I felt the three at the back wasn't good because I felt we didn't have the players to do it. This year, we've gone to the back four, which is what I was wanting for most of last year. But after this performance, and it's a short sample size, and it wasn't against a fully potent Seattle team, but now I'm thinking, is this the way to go? With, with this back three and having Laborda there because like I, I've loved Blackman this year I think he's been excellent he's been one of the standout guys on the whole there's been a couple of games where he's had a few mistakes well and I think this match was almost if not near the pinnacle for him mm. yeah and, and well what, what do you mean by that like his best performance yeah like, uh-huh. of the year yeah Um, I thought he was good I thought that him and Laborda together were good. Brown was good as well. I liked. Brown was maybe even a bigger surprise to me, his performance in Laborda, because he's had some off performances. He's been caught out a little bit. And I think he looked really mostly comfortable at that right right side center back in the back three. Because he's been playing center back. And I've seen folks saying, why are they playing him at centre back? He is a centre back. Yeah, he is. That is that was his prime position coming here, and then he's been playing more uh, as a right back. Now, a lot of this was forced because Ranko Veselinovic was away at his brother's wedding over in Serbia, and I know this is going to make me sound a horrible, harsh person. I just don't think that's a good look. Yeah, so I didn't know it was the wedding till you told me because on the on the, again the, I think it was the pregame show, they're like, 
he's away on a pre-approved or pre-scheduled time to be aware it's been pre-approved or whatever and i was just like uh okay yeah same thing right away i was just like that that's not like you you that can't happen no you're, you're, I, i'm you're, glad i'm not alone in thinking that now no, what i will it, say from a white cat's point of view in managing a player keeping a player happy and doing something nice for the player i i think that it's great that the white caps let him do that in that regard this was a huge game. Totally, it, it worked out. Totally, it worked out on the day. Yeah. My bigger concern is that you set an extremely dangerous precedent, right? Like how how many of the other players have brothers? Mm-hmm. How many of the other players have brothers who, who aren't married yet? You know, <laughs> there's a lot of big life occasions that happen, and I think barring barring the loss of life, I think you you don't allow your players to leave for anything but that uh, you know or maybe i guess the other one would be a birth of a child but even that well no i, even, I shouldn't say then that that's a that's a good reason to, to miss a game but um, i don't know i i miss my grandmother's wake to go and watch east five play up at breakin i mean i miss shay selena's scoring to be with my my daughter's birth but whatever um priorities but no, I mean, it, I I just I just felt it wasn't a wasn't a good look. That said, I have felt that Ranko's needed a little bit of a rest because we. Spoke... But traveling, but traveling to Europe is super restful. No, I assume. I assume I, I, he I'm assuming Europe. he had. A, I'm assuming he had a fun time at his uh, at the wedding as well. Yeah. But I mean, Blackman and Ranko, we did see a couple of shows ago. Might even have been the last show that. I'm worried they're going to burn themselves out and they do need maybe a little bit of, of a rest. But, yeah, I mean, going back to Brown, and I'd seen folks saying, what does Karifa Yao have to do to get a start when they're playing Brown at centre-back? It's like, yeah, apart from Brown being a centre-back, throwing Karifa Yao into a game like that is a huge what, risk. Was it this game or was it against Dallas that he came on? He came on. Yeah, he did. And I think it was this game. It was. Yeah, he came on. Yeah, at the end of the, end of the game. Yeah. yeah. So. He, he's his, He's been a little off the pace, right? For the, getting up to speed with MLS. That's yeah. been a big issue. I mean, if you were going to throw him into a game, it would maybe be like the Dallas game or something like this. Or a game. Like, I mean, they could go to St. Louis and get something, but I think they could be in for a torrid time. Maybe that isn't the best thing to give a, a center back and out. And mind you. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Luis Martins. Fanny yeah. said afterwards he was playing like Paolo Maldini out there. Yeah, no well, exaggeration, but I did think he had a really good game. I, yeah, he had a fine game. I, yeah, I think that was uh, that was an example of uh, Vanny being overly generous with his compliments. Ali Ahmed, Paolo, Paolo, Paolo Maldini is arguably the greatest left back that like there's ever been, right? Yeah, oh, unless he means playing like he is now. In some masters football or something. Well, I don't know. I would. I'm still. <laughs> if I was an MLS team, I still might take Paul Maldini over some of the options in the MLS. Ali Ahmed on the the other one back. I thought he was excellent again. And I mean, we we know he can play in both sides. We know he can play wing back. We know he can play wing. We know he can play full back. Such a bright future ahead. And on the preliminary roster for mm. Canada for this CONCACAF Nations League stuff. Yeah, great for him. Yeah, delight, delighted for Ali. The last player I want to talk about, and you touched on it, Sergio Cordova. Oh, right, yeah. Um, not another good outing. 
you can tell he's trying a little bit, maybe too hard, or he, he, he just his, he, feeling he left, it. He left a leg in on your buddy there. Yeah. Now, I thought that should have been a booking for him. I also think Fry... Wasn't, wasn't it a booking? Ball, I don't think he did get booked for that. I thought he, I thought he did. Uh, uh, in some places, that could have been a sending off. Well, I thought he could have been booked earlier for a tackle that he had, which would have then been a second yellow. So, I mean... He did get booked. Yeah, he did get booked. Oh, he did get booked for that. Yeah, did Fry get booked as well? No. Because no. Fry threw the ball at him, but should have been a booking. Uh, that I, was just... I saw the just... card coming out, and I thought it was for Fry. No, no, it was for Cordoba. Oh. Yeah, no, it, to me, he was lucky not to get sent off for that leg. Uh, again, I think in other parts of the world, they might look at that a, a few more times. I mean, it just grazed the top of his leg. It yeah, but it's a, it's a fact that you could, if I remember correct, you could see he was like, hey, I'm being pushed by the defender. Oh, so well, yeah, gonna, there was that as well. He I'm was gonna, pushed. I'm going to make sure I throw my leg. So, because he knew I could say, oh, look, the guy pushed me, right? But it's you're in control of your leg. Like, if, even if a guy pushes you, that he didn't have to uh, go down that way. I would say. Yeah, I mean, I would say. He, I would say, in my opinion, he went out of his way to make sure make sure he made contact with the yeah. keeper. Yeah, I, I love my players with a bit of bite to them, so I don't mind that he's got that little bit of aggression. Still having a little bit of PTSD from the Cavallini aggression from the last couple of seasons, <laughs> but yeah, we still have not seen what we need to see from him, and it's hard because. He isn't up fully to the game levels. I fully appreciate that. But from the glimpses that we've seen, it's just it's just not clicking yet. And I don't know what it's going to take to click. And they've got this game now coming up against Pacific midweek. Does he get the start in that? Does White get the start in that? Does you have to imagine Betch is going to get the, the start in that? Because for me, he's the best of the three of them just now and should be starting this game. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, I I hope Cordova comes good. I'm just a little bit worried now. And yeah, you've got guys like Betcher waiting to, to take that starting spot from him. And guys, of course, in WFC 2 as well. And it was a double Cascadian Derby success for the Whitecaps this weekend. Because an MLS Knicks pro, WFC 2 came away with a 1-0 win over Tacoma Defiance at Swanguard on Sunday evening. Fantastic performance by the team. Some great football played. Really should be more than a, a one-goal victory in the end. It was a victory that moves them up to third in the Western Conference standing as well and top of their division, which is excellent at this stage of the season. The team really flying just now. And... The game interrupted by some Canadian geese as well, which had to get ushered off the pitch. Isaac Bomer, the, the goose wrangler in this situation as well. Um, WFC 2, busy, busy, busy right now because they've got two games coming up this week. They travel to take on San Jose Earthquakes 2 down in San Jose on Thursday night. Then I think it's Sunday the next game, which is LA Galaxy 2 down in California as well. And of course, there's been some real standout performers for the two so far this season. One of them, Levante Johnson. The Brampton-born striker, draft pick, coming off that championship win in the NCAA as well. 
Just a fantastic season for him coming into Major League Soccer. And then Levante got that call-up for the Canadian Championship in the, the first round or the quarter-final game against York. Made an impact, scored as well. Will he feature in the game against Pacific on Wednesday night? Well, it, it's a tough one because if he is called up, that would be his second of the four call-ups he's allowed, but he's only allowed to play in two of the games. So he's played against York. If he played against Pacific as well, that would stop him getting a shot in MLS. For that reason, I have a feeling that they may not use him in this game and sort of keep that second call-up for him having a chance to, to play in Major League Soccer. But I got a chance to catch up with Levante after that game against Tacoma Defiance on Sunday just to talk about his season so far, how he's adjusted to the pro game from the college ranks, and a few other things as well. Here's Levante Johnson. It's been a fantastic couple of weeks for you, Levante. You've had that call up to the MLS team, you're lighting it up in MLS Next Pro as well. How, how has it been this first few months from going from the college ranks into the Whitecaps? Um, it's been a long, long session, long, uh, I guess, period because my college season went, we went all the way to the final game. So we finished December 12th and then preseason started January 9th, 8th. And I was late to that because I had the Mac Herman ceremony. And before that, we had the MLS Symposium. So I was just flying all over the place. Then as soon as I got to Vancouver, we flew to Spain. So it was just it was a hectic couple of you know first couple of months, but you know we've we've progressed, settled in, and I'm I'm enjoying it here. Vancouver's a wonderful city, wonderful team, organization's been wonderful to me. Staff, players, you know, it's treated me treated me treated me very well. It's almost like home. Some players, when they make the initial transition from college, they find the pace at MLS to be a lot faster and just training and everything's more faster. How have you found the transition so far? Because you look like you've taken it like a duck to water. Um, when I first came in, moving from, um, moving from sorry, moving from college. I guess we were at a pretty good college. I mean, we won national, so our team was really good. So our trainings were pretty intense, but you can't really quite compare to the MLS standard. So if I guess the first couple of days it was okay, this is a lot quicker than I'm used to. But you know, after a couple of weeks, I feel like I, I settled in and I got I got used to it. So you got the MLS Next Pro contract and we saw last year with Simon and Ali that this team, the club really look at it and who performs well and who moves on. When you see the growth that Simon and Ali have had coming from this team, it must give you like good feelings that the performances that you're going to have here are going to get picked up. Oh, for sure. It's a lot of motivation, not only me, but a lot of the guys in the dressing room, the guys on the team, you know, were... We see Ali and Simon doing well in the first team and we hope to become those type of players next season as well and uh, kind of help out the team the, the way they've been doing. Motivation was the word I was looking for there. <laughs> um, so, I mean, already yeah, your performances have brought notice from Vanny. You got called into that Canadian Championship squad. You made your first team debut. You got your first team goal. What was that whole experience like? Let, let's talk through it a little bit. When did you find out that you were going to be involved? <laughs> Funny enough, I found out on someone added me on Twitter and I seen the <laughs> the video of Vanny doing an interview oh, and yes. I was like oh I can't. in the interview he said he said he didn't tell me yet yeah. and someone added me and I was like okay I guess but he didn't tell me yet 
in person, so I was like, okay, maybe it's just speculation. I don't know yet. And I think the next day he ended up telling me, and I was, I was excited to just first be able to go home because I was home. I haven't seen my family in a long time for them to come to the game, whether I played or not. So I did get the chance to play and scored. So it was, it was an amazing feeling. I was going to ask if you'd had a chance to, to get your family up. So you obviously had enough notice to do that. What, what was the reaction like by your family? Oh, uh, they were... They're just so happy for me, and I was grateful that they were able to be in attendance because of all the sacrifices they've made throughout my career. You know, they've sacrificed countless mornings, drives, weekends, driving to the States, driving everywhere for me to just help me just play the game I love, so I'm really grateful for that. And the goal as well. I mean, when you went to bed the night before, you're obviously hoping, well, I hope I get on. I hope I maybe get a few chances, but to get a goal on your debut as well, what, what was that like? It was, it was amazing. When I scored... I didn't know what celebration to do, and I just—it's <laughs> actually my lock screen, the the corner flag celebration. And I just, I just remembered it, and that's the celebration I stuck with. Now I won't put you in the spot and ask about this Wednesday because Vanny hasn't given any hints this time as to whether you're going to be involved in the squad or not. But obviously, you're allowed four call-ups to the first team, but you can only play twice. So you've had that one so far. But the, the fact that you've had that now and you've done well—what's your kind of goals? What what? What are you pushing yourself towards now for the rest of the season? Um, I'm really focusing on this MLS next season. Try to, you know, do the best we can. Try to, I get win everything because that's that's my goal to win everything for for MLS next, win the whole championship. So, focusing on that, and if anything else happens along the way, that's just extra motivation, extra, I guess. Um, that's the word I'm looking for. I guess gifts that's not what we're looking for but extra gifts yeah, I guess like from bonus. the hard work yeah. yeah the bonuses from the hard work from putting in with the second team the, this MLS next pro team it's like I followed the team last year watching the team this year the vibe you guys really you're a tight knit unit you've got yourselves you've got Antoine you've got Glory so it's all strikers that are pushing to try and get to the next level Obviously, you want to stand out as well, but you, you all seem to understand that you have to work as a team so that you can stand out as individuals. Yeah, for sure. Our team is very selfless. You know, we have a lot of players. I guess their main goal isn't to just, I want to get to the first team, like, I'm, forget everybody else. You know, I got to do my thing. It's a lot of, you know, what, what's best for the team. And you see it around the, around the pitch. Everyone's putting in the extra shifts, extra work. If someone's out of position, other people are running back for them. So it's, it's a good vibe all around and that translates the wonderful chemistry that we have and you know we're doing pretty well this season I think we're third now and if we win our next game we're in second so you know it's working out fantastic that's it so thank you so much for your time and good luck for the rest of the season thank it's you. a pleasure to see how well you do it really <laughs> is So great stuff there from Levante Johnson and he's just he's such a, an enthusiastic, likeable lad. Just want the very best for him. He's been lighting it up in MLS Next Pro. He's made an immediate impact when he's been called up to the first team. You've got to think he is one of those guys that's going to take the next step as well. And as we've talked about in the show, I really want to see a Johnson Betcher front line. I just think that would be so exciting to have in MLS and it would be a real handful for a number of defences out there. Um, I, I like his winning mentality as well. He, he's happy with the call-up. He wants to obviously make the breakthrough to MLS, but he also wants to win in MLS Next Pro. He wants WFC 2 to win the championship, and that's the kind of attitude you want amongst all the guys. 
and also all the girls because the Whitecaps Girls Elite went down and won the Blue Stars FIFA Youth Cup in Zurich last week. I said went down, they went over to, to win it in Zurich in Switzerland, adding that title to their League One BC Championship game last year. Drew one all with Grasshoppers, then beat Juventus 4-0 and then drew 1-1 with FC Zurich in their group matches. That set up a penalty shootout against FC Zurich to see who would advance to the final. The Whitecaps got through that and in a very tense final against FC Basel. The Swiss side scored early. Ava Jackson levelled in the last minute to send that one to penalties. Leah Parsons making two big saves. And the Whitecaps girls elite 1-4-3 and lifted the Blue Stars FIFA Youth Cup. Well done to them. Well done to Katie Collar. Get out and watch this team play in, in League One BC. They've been an absolute joy to watch. Unbeaten start to this season as well. But that is it for our Whitecaps chat for On The Pitch Matters. We're going to turn our attention now to Off The Pitch Matters with a, a look at the Whitecaps salaries that were announced this week, as well as a look at some of the salaries around the rest of MLS. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Ali Ahmed. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Kindness is a trick to turn you strange Until you're twisted and you're shining like a varicose vein Anger makes you weak and turns you sick And gets you in the six feet nice and quick No fair, they can talk to me, I can live alone Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's a song I've had in my head for the last two weeks. It's absolutely fantastic. It's from Grian Chatton. He's the lead singer of Dublin post-punk band Fontaine's DC. This is the new single from him and the second single to be taken from his forthcoming album, Chaos for the Fly. That comes out on June 30th. That's a song called Fairlies. And it's just tremendous. I hope you love it as much as I do. I hope it's stuck in your head as much as it has been for me. And Fontaine's DC, 
a great band as well. We'll have them as artists of the month, I'm sure, at some point down the, the line. Maybe a combination of them and Grian Chatton get all that songs. And there's a football connection, Zach, with Fontaine's DC because they sponsored Dublin football club Bohemians, their 2021-22 away jersey in partnership with Focus Ireland, which is a, a homeless charity. Mm. And it's a strip I'm wanting to get because I have my collection of strips that's sponsored by bands and I haven't got it because the postage is horrendous because they're shipping it by DHL and it's 20 20 euros shipping. The strip's only 70 euros and DHL always charge you import fees and then a fee for handling it. So altogether the shipping's going to be about $35 for a shirt that's just costing me 70 euros. So... I need to wait till I go home next well, time. Let me, I should have done it the last time. And we, uh, we have a, we have, a, I have a friend who goes to uh, Ireland occasionally for work. I should ask him when he's going next. Oh yeah, he could, he could pick it up from the club shop, maybe. Yeah, if he's going to Dublin. But it's it's a it's a really cool kit as well. It's got button collar. It's got some nice stuff in the back, and yeah, I I will get that. I will add it to my collection one day. Maybe I just need to have more money bigger salary to be able to afford the, the DHL <laughs> shipping. Lovely segue as we're going to be talking salaries, white cap salaries, MLS salaries in this part because it was MLS salary release day last week. Some very interesting stuff in there from a white cap's perspective, from an overall MLS perspective. The white caps, 23rd out of the 29 teams in salary, 12,746,625. Sounds a decent enough number, but only has them in at 23rd. 23rd is uh, what, what? That's the bottom quarter? Is that right? Is it 29 teams though? 29 teams, bottom quarter, I guess. Yeah, would yeah the bottom quarter. Just be on the bottom quarter. Yeah, so that's not, just remind the bottom quarter is not close to the, the top third, right? No, no, no it's not. Okay. Just, just double checking. But salary, Zach, do not mean you're going to be successful. No, that's, no, that's for sure. As, as we all very much talk about. No, but to be, to be fair, before going this into the names or whatever, this is something I appreciate your perspective on this. You, you've said this year after year after year especially in a league like MLS where you can only bring in a limited number of higher paid players, it is always a risk. Mm -hmm. It is always a risk when you're bringing in these players because if they get injured, they underperform, they don't acclimatize, whatever. It's totally a risk. Just like it is anywhere else in the world with obviously there's less restrictions other places in the world so it's easier to move them on or replace them sometimes or whatever. MLS is more restrictive that way. It's harder to move uh, on a bad bad deal. But um, the, the only counterpoint I have to that, and I've had over the years to, to your perspective on that, is an MLS, you, it's no longer you can only have one of those players, it's you can have three. And I think it's if you, if you do your homework well, uh, I think if you have three quality players that are earning above the whatever the, whatever the current TAM you know, thing is, it used to be 1.5, I don't know what it is now. Um, if you have three players that are earning over that, Hopefully you don't miss on all three, or hope you don't have all three injured or whatever, and, and sink your team. Yeah, you'd be have to, a very unlucky season. But so what I would also it, say, though, as well, like against the Whitecaps, is 
there's been so many questions over the years as to how they spend their money and how they distribute the money, and there's been some shocking decisions. Not as many this year, still a couple, yeah. but like Christian Dahomey, his salary went up. I can't off the top of my head. It was it went up to something like nine sixty this year, which is like to get rid of him and get him off. Although they are paying it for half the season, but to get that off is like wow. The, he scored this weekend, right? Yeah, in that win. Yeah, I saw that highlight. Watch him come good now and be worth every penny. <laughs> But I mean, there has been players over the year, (coughs) Brooksy, that you have to question (laughs) how that money has been spent, how it's been triggered to to have increases, all that kind of stuff. You're triggering people, Michael, right now. I'm triggering myself just mentioning his name. Yeah, But I mean, as soon as it came out that the Whitecaps were 23rd, you knew it was going to be, oh, same old cheap Whitecaps. Where did the Davis money go? You know, that never-ending money that is still meant to be around. But it, it's neglecting facts like right above them, Philadelphia Union, MLS finalists, their salaries only 60,000 more over the year. And they came within a penalty shootout of lifting the MLS Cup and have been consistently good. The top two teams in the league in salary right now are TFC, and I've rounded all these to round figures, 25.74 million. And LA Galaxy, 23.46 million. And you could easily just say that's two clusterfucks of teams right now. Yeah. So it obviously doesn't, it doesn't guarantee, uh, doesn't guarantee you success. Just like in, in, I think in Europe it's easier because there's less limitations. So you can actually weigh out spend. So it's, yeah. And, and, but they also, those teams that are way out spending, they also, the revenue they make is, is, can be astronomical compared to their, some of their rivals. But likewise, Uh, again, you can make good money here. If you've got a guy that's going to sell jerseys locally, nationally, internationally, you recoup some of that money. Some, but the jersey sales are a tricky thing. There's a good uh, TIFO video on that, on the TIFO YouTube channel. You should check. I should share a link with you somewhere. But, anyways, the, um, the thing, the problem, the problem is though, is that you have a, a, a club like the Whitecaps, who then, that's what they've done, like many times in the past, is they to try and say, hey, we're not that bad at what we're doing. They try and play the comparison game of say, oh yeah, before it used to be, I remember they used to talk about Columbus, like oh we're, you know, when Columbus was you know in finals and doing well and whatever, they'd be like, oh look, we're 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 in the same range as Columbus on spending. We just need to get it a little bit more right. And the same thing with the Philadelphia thing you just uh, example you just gave. They'll say, oh, look, we're not that far behind, you know, Philadelphia. So if we just get a few more things, if we can just hit on a few more, we can be right there as well. I would just say that their their approach is flawed because they don't fully use the DP spots in the way that you can. Yeah. And unless they do that, I don't ever think they'll see be seen as being ambitious and be and be able to actually compete uh, ongoing for the upper spots in their conference. I mean, I've been consistent in saying it would be lovely to have a big name here that folk know that's little jerseys that you've watched in the World Cups or whatever. I don't think you need it. You just need a player that is going to perform. Yes, that's the key. Yeah, obviously you'll sell jerseys, you'll get publicity. I I think we were talking, I I think we were talking last show like before we recorded the fact like 
I think it was under Martin Rennie, the Whitecats had wanted to bring John Terry in. So it's weighing up an older player. What would he bring? What would your jersey sales be? Weighing that up with how safe are the players' wives if John Terry's here? All that kind of stuff. And I don't think I don't think that was true. I don't. Well, that wasn't in the Rennie era. That would have been Robinson, wouldn't it? Not? I think it was Rennie that had tried uh, to bring him in uh, when he was doing his just football management thing of, oh, I'll have Kenny Miller. I watched him growing up. Oh, Barry Robson, he's good, doing a good job with Aberdeen as manager right now. Actually, Barry Robson, we should get him in the show. I'd love to see. How did you feel about people when they said you waved your arms about too much and were very angry? How did you feel about your goalkeeper saying that you were the angriest person he'd ever met? (laughs) (laughs) Brad Knight in that was. Um, Anyway, back to this. I've got sidetracked again. But it is weighing that up, but it's also like using the other mechanisms, developing your young talent that clubs like New York who are down in the salary spending, but they've brought in so much young talent Mm. bringing guys on as well that you can sell on. Philadelphia has been good at bringing on young talent. Other clubs like Dallas have as well. So there's all those other mechanisms that I feel the Whitecaps have let themselves down in as well over the years. But again, I think it's an unfair comparison to a club like Dead Bull New York because they're a part of an actual larger setup that's worldwide, right? Um, Which is, you can talk about... Well, yeah, there's that aspect of it, but they have, like... New York Red Bulls 2, New York Red Bulls 3, they have been excellent at, and their academy was consistently producing players and winning the championships at U17, U19, U15 level. Yeah, but again, part of the, if you're a supporter of them, and I don't know why you would be, but if you were, you must get a little bit frustrated and see see that you're just a conveyor belt for the the biggest club in the pyramid. Yeah. Right? Like, that's got to be frustrating. You lose your best players to, to now Leipzig. And 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 for them, their best coaches in the past as well, right? Like, yeah, I mean that's going to be an interesting thing just in general for clubs here and I think Australia going on because you've got the Man City model, yeah, with NYC, Melbourne City, yeah, and it's like the success as well that those clubs are having as well. And I do feel other clubs are going to look at that. I mean, we've got it in the CPL to a much smaller extent with Atletico. Madrid and Ottawa. But no, but that, that is an example because in that. Atletico Madrid has multiple clubs, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it is, unfortunately, seems like the way forward. There's things I don't like about it. There's things that I think, there's ways that I think you can do it that would be far more meaningful than how those clubs are yeah. doing. I, 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 I think if, if you're a supporter of a big club, you're wanting that and you're pushing for that because that's great. And it gives you more clubs to support around the world and take an interest in. And it gets a, an outlet for your young you're... players to go and play in. But you're also then stockpiling all these players. But if you're not at the top of that pyramid, though, then yeah. you're, it's not very good. And, and and again, this is, I don't know all the things, I don't know how the structure behind it all. But, and I, I, I never thought I'd be praising Joey Saputo. On our podcast, but at least in his multi-club ownership, there seems to be a little bit um, like I think the, the impact, which we'll always call them, have benefited from it more than probably than Bologna. Yeah, <laughs> you probably. Because I mean? they've gotten players like I think was it Lapalainen as an example who's come and like it's MLS has been more his level and he's contributed more here than he would there or whatever. And it's probably even more helpful for 
for maybe actually maybe for Joey, it's been helpful to offload that from the books of Bologna. I don't but know. But then you're also looking but, that Bologna's not like a top top Italian side, whereas a club yeah, like Man City, but, a club like Leipzig, are sitting high in yeah, the leagues that they're playing. That is fair. But also, Bologna is a far more like bigger club in the world and historically and all that, right? You know, what I mean? like they are. And they're worth. Uh, yeah, well, maybe, I was gonna say maybe they're worth more. Maybe they're actually. Maybe they're not, I don't know. No, I think they're I mean, in the stadium, so maybe. But and it, and it's Italian football, which who knows what yeah. goes on behind the scenes in Italian football. I guess talking of Italians, let's look at TFC because they're <laughs> Italians. Lorenzo Insigne, seven point five million. Federico Bernardeschi, six point three million. The two of them combine. And I got this from Gigi Adams' great article in the province this week. Their combined salary exceeds the payroll of 11 MLS clubs, including the Whitecaps. Yeah. For two Bo- guys. They're the second and the fourth highest paid players in the league. Yeah, Bernadeschi, I think, has been maybe not value for money, but he has obviously contributed significantly. Um I think I said this when Insigne was signed. At least one of my close Italian friends has said that he's going to be a bust in MLS. Mm-hmm. There's no way he's going to be anywhere near what uh, Javinko was for them, and everyone's going to be disappointed by him. And to this point, anyways, that seems to be the story. And how how sad he must be <laughs> watching his hometown club break a thirty year thirty three year droughts to win Syria oh. right after he leaves. <laughs> Um, but no, he's been, he, I mean, obviously he's made contributions from him. Don't get me wrong, but he has not been, dis- he's not been able to be decisive enough for them to actually do anything. Right. Yeah. And, and therefore looks overpaid. Well, yeah, I was going to say it, it's easy then when a club isn't performing as, as we've just done to point at those players and go, yeah, you're wasting all this money on those guys. I mean, there's no doubt in they are absolutely top players. They're quality talent. And they do make MLS better by being in the league. But when your team is struggling and you've got the second and the fourth highest paid player and they're making more than a third of, of the league, yeah, I mean, questions are always going to be asked. The other, the other problem you have, when you have two players like that at a club... Um, and I just say this based on watching them, not not a you know any kind of stereotype or or whatever. But there are two players who do not, uh, as much as you would like, involve themselves in the def- defensive side of of the game. Yeah, and, which and in you MLS, it's MLS, you can't do that. Needed, yeah, going back to Tater Torreson, the first year of of, of the Whitecaps being in MLS, he he would say you can't have any passers in MLS. That's not how the league works. Maybe one, which is why he was so. Um, limiting in how he used Davide because he knew Davide wasn't as strong defensively mm-hmm. and the way he wanted to play. And it was not the same, but similar under Rennie as well. You can't yeah. have you can't have players who are saying, I'm not going to work defensively. And I'm not saying those players never work defensively, obviously, but I know recently I was watching a game where it was like, uh, I think it was the most, I think it might have been the cup game against Montreal where it was like, yeah, th- they lost the ball and it was on Bernadeschi's side and he was like running the other way. And he wasn't running back to, to help. Like, and there was this huge gap. I think it was their second Montreal goal in that game, where you're just like, uh, it was not. It was it was very unhelpful to have Bernadeschi on that side. But I, but obviously, again, he makes huge contributions going forward. Yeah, he also makes huge money. I, I, did you see who the highest paid player was? 
Uh, yeah, I did, of course. Shaq, baby. Yeah. I, that surprised me, actually. I thought Chicharito might have made more. Chicharito comes in at number three. So, Shakiri, 8.15 million. Then Insigne is 7.5. Chicharito is 7.443. So, basically, 7.5. Then Bernadeschi is 6.29. And then Driussi, 6 million. Yeah, but they did lie. get good value from him last year. Yeah, totally. But then they didn't win anything. So, if, if, some surprises for me in the top five clubs. Atlanta third, not a huge surprise. But DC have the fourth highest payroll and Austin have the fifth. Now, Driussi obviously has six million takes up a lot of that. And then for DC, you've got Benteke that's taken up a, a big whack for them, uh, about four and a half million. But you, you look at like what DC have been getting output-wise as well, and you're like, have you really put together uh, a payroll and a club that is is balanced and you're getting good value for money for that? And the answer is clearly no. And I would imagine that Wayne Rooney's not on a, a small ticket either to be there as head coach. And not to mention Robbo. Yeah, but he'll be cheap. Um, he's just desperate to get back into management, I'm I'm sure. Um, yeah, Chicago just, are sixth, actually, on 19.5 million combined well, salary. Mostly Shakiri. Shakiri yeah. has nine, nine appearances, only one assist so far this year, which seems much less than last year. I'm sure. Yeah, he was really good last year. Really good last year. Right down at the top 10, Sounders, they're on 19 million uh, in seventh. LAFC, 7.48 million, but they're only in 10th spot. So what's their number again? What's the sounders, did you say? No, uh, LAFC? LAFC are 10th, 17.48 oh, 17. million. I missed the team there. I thought you said 7 million. Oh, like, no, that would 17. be fantastic, yeah. yeah. So they're so again, 10th. Good, good, use of, good use of their funds. Yeah, so I mean, the Ben Wright, the Nashville-based journalist, he had a, I'll just actually pull this up, he had a, he worked out the wage bill, the points for this year uh, and the cost per point and then goals and cost per goal. So oh. St. Louis City were leading, away. leading the way by a mile. Yeah. Their cost per point, 575,425. Wow. LA Galaxy at the other end, oh, 2.6 million per point from their salary and 2.3 million, it's what it costs per goal. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Whitecaps are doing not too bad in that. They are 13th in 910,000 per point and 849,000 per goal. It's crazy when you th see things broken down like that. Of course, yeah. if you see it for stuff like the Premiership or... Bundesliga and La Liga and stuff. It would obviously be. Well, just what is what is Vela on this year? Because he's not even top ten, right? Ah, uh, let me. He's on. He's on us in four point three. Twenty five here. Vela is fourteenth, three point three million. Wow, that seems low, doesn't it? Mm, that that's like, that's a good a good deal. Joseph Martinez is tenth and four point three, so he's getting more than Vela. Yeah. Hmm. Ladero. From Seattle, he is just under Vela at 3.256, and then just under him is Rui Diaz at 3.2. What, what a 
I mean, yeah. What a what a great player. Mm. <laughs> the I think yeah. The, the highest paid white cap is Ryan Gold, and he's the twenty first best paid player in all of MLS at two point five million. And I'm pretty sure he's the highest paid white cap in history ever. Yeah. Like it, it's not even close. No, I mean next to that was Pedro was uh, like one point seven seven or something. Oh, I thought Cava might have been the second, but maybe it was Pedro. Oh, maybe you might you might be right. <laughs> Saturday at the game, um, after Vite scored, I was like just typing away, and Don Andrews was going the score of the Whitecaps, Pedro, and I just said automatically Morales. <laughs> I was like, oh no, wait a minute. <laughs> Oh man! Stuck in the past, as as folk know, but Montreal they're spending ten point five million. They're last in all of MLS. The bottom three actually: Montreal twenty ninth, ten point five; St Louis twenty eighth and ten point nine; Red Bulls twenty seven on eleven point two. And a lot of that is because they've got so many of their academy guys that's come through, so they've been commanding lower salaries I mean there's definitely some eye-opening ones there there's definitely some eye-opening players if we look at white caps well actually let's look at some Canadian players first of all as well FTF put together their list of the the Canadians only two Canadian players make over one million Ozo guess what they're both at TFC Ozo and Richie right yeah yeah. Ozo is on 1.4, Larea is on 1.246. In fact, the top four Canadian ranked or paid players are all at TFC. Yeah. They really need to get a grip of their salary. I it's, mean, Ozo, it feels like at least it's like he's feels like he's earned it over the life of his time there. And same with Larea, I think, you know. Well, uh, it, it's, it is balancing the, that and like yeah. the fact that it's longevity and loyalty and you're rewarding that. Because the, the, the top four Canadian players uh, is also Larea, then Ayo Akinola, who the Whitecats mm. had been linked with, but he's on 771,875. Mm. I would not want him here at that. He is not worth that to come to the Whitecaps in my mind. He he's feel, I feel like he's still rehabilitating from like trying to refine the form he had before. The yeah, game. I think he could be worth that. Yes, but I in agree. the form that he's in just now, no. I, I think I, I think um, with Araya to me because I think his loan deal is up in end of June. I, I know he might not quite be. Sorry, I think some people might think he's not quite yet at the Premier League level, yeah, uh, or might not be able to reach those levels. But I would really like to see him go back to Nottingham, uh, be a part of preseason, and try and stake his claim because he has been so good for Canada. Like he has been, like yeah, I, I don't. I mean, it seemed just to be the wrong move or the wrong team for him to go to. Although Nottingham Forest did bring in about 50 players to to this this year. But like when you're doing that much, you're not going to get game time as players. I, that's why I feel it was the wrong team for him to make the move to. But he, but he, but no, but he went when they were in the championship. Yes, and he and was only didn't ahead stand of the, the guy who was enough. There. Well, the guy who was ahead of him was on loan and left, right? So. Yeah. But then he didn't want to stay and fight. He wanted to get regular playing time, obviously, with the World Cup coming up. Yeah. Mark Anthony Kay is the fourth highest Canadian at seven, 750. Duck. Oh, mm. sorry. 
I can't make a megaphone joke. No, you made oh, Mario. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very good. I I went over my head at eleven forty-two at night, just like the megaphone did with Mark Anthony Day. <laughs> then the sixth highest-paid Canadian player, Russell Tiber. Ouch. Yeah. Four hundred and forty-nine thousand three hundred and seventy-five, six hundred and twenty-five dollars shy of four hundred and fifty. That is again, you're rewarding longevity in the league and loyalty. Yeah. But bah, wow. It's like we spoke many seasons about the money. It's been a, it was a bugbear of mine with the money that the White Cats had on the bench certain seasons, yeah. like the Shea era and stuff like that. But you've got Tiber on the bench at that. The White Cats would say, well, he's earned it because he's been in the league for so long and he's a utility player and you can rely on him, et cetera, et cetera. Except for they kept on upping his contract. Like, I yeah. remember, didn't he sign like a new He had like three years left and they're like, oh, we're doing a new deal. And it was like, okay, well, hopefully this one makes more sense. But it Face of the club. I won't use that other F word. There's a few F words you could use when Russell's in the pitch, but I mean, I'm happy, obviously happy for him personally. But it, it well, yeah, I mean, why would you want to leave when you're when exactly. you're getting that? Well, there's a few other players that I think are like that as well from oh, yeah. the White Caps. Well, let, let, let's let's look at the rest of the White Caps then, and a quick breakdown. I, I can I put them into good, bad, and ugly. Your favorite categories? Yes, I, I love doing this for anything. The good side. The Whitecaps have eight players that are making under 100,000. Ahmed, Anker, Betcher, Bomer, Kapanya, Habibula, Gando and Yao. So, I mean, that that's good good bargains. And right now, you've got Ali Ahmed on a guaranteed 94,819. Fantastic. Even better, Simon Betcher is on 70,000. 485 absolute steal the two of them now obviously it's their first year that's why they're on less but their performance should see them rewarded as we've seen in the past with renegotiated contracts and hopefully earning what they should be earning but right now you look at those and it's like well they're an absolute steal and with what their output is and what they're earning I mean that's tremendous I think for me, also in the good side, but on the higher end of it, I th- I think Kubis at nine hundred thousand is good value, and Gressel at basically nine forty, I also think is excellent value. He's been my player of the season. Louise Martins, up and down season, some good, some bad, but to have him on three hundred thousand for a veteran, I think that's an excellent deal as well. I agree with you. I think those those are all important players on good values. I think Vancouver is set up the, the Whitecaps are set up to have uh to have this like the whatever the eight the eight players that are under a hundred or are on yeah. lower salaries. I think they're getting value from those players. They're getting contribute significant contribution from those players. And I agree with you, Kubas and Gressel are the Along with an informed gold are the the the, the fulcrum, the, the crux, they're the, the center centerpiece to the to the whole team. Yeah. It, and so I think that all of them are on reasonable deals. 
But when you look at Louise Martins on 300,000 and then Rusty on 150 more than that, it's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. The issues for for Russell are, it's not just now. Before it used to be, hey, I, I, I don't like his playing style or I don't like the way he's being told to play or whatever. But now more so than ever, it's now he's not playing, which I think some yeah. of the, and it's the like, how, how did you get with. someone to take him on that salary as well? Unless you end up paying some of it like we are with Gutierrez and Dahomey. Well, yeah, but you're not going to find that in this league at all, I don't think. But there, there was interest before in him. Minnesota wanted to take him there. And there was other clubs that were interested in him. But, but he, not enough to take him, not enough to get a deal done. No, he wanted to stay as well. So there's that aspect of it. This is his yeah, home. But that, I mean, that's, I, I not, know, how, that's not how this works. No, but sometimes you do have discussions with the players. That yeah. seems to be what happened. If we look at the bad, and it, it's bad for different reasons. Thomas Asal, 222,412. Now, for a good goalkeeper, that's that's good value. For a starter, that's good value. Takaoka's on 297. But if Hassal is going to be sitting on the bench all season, you've got to start questioning whether you need to move that salary on. Hassal is a good keeper. It's good and important to have a good backup. But as we've seen in previous years, you can get top quality backups for a lot cheaper than that. And... Hassal, he got the game in the Champions League, didn't get the start against York. Yeah, that was interesting. He's not going to obviously start against Pacific because you don't suddenly throw him in with no other games under his belt in a big cup semi-final. So when does he play? Maybe the League's Cup. But to have him sitting on the bench, is there a huge difference between him and Isaac Bomer that's on under 100,000 in terms of quality? Bomer, when he was called upon last year, did well. He's had up and down times with WFC two. Had a really good game at the weekend. Um, and then there's Max as well, right? Yeah, well, there's Max, Max as well, who they're very high on. Yeah, I, I think you know what, Michael. It's hard for me to get like, especially with the player, to be angry or disappointed or whatever, because what I see in this deal just goes back to decisions that were made like what, like two years ago. Mm-hmm. When I was in, I think it was a fair thing where they were like, "Look, we want a, he's going to be our number one. Uh, we we're going to back him. Uh, we're going to grow with him. We're going to be patient. All that kind of stuff." And so this number for this season reflects the deal oh, that was made yeah. at the time and, and yes, whatever. A- absolutely. And I I should say for any of this, I, no way would I criticize any of the players. It's like yeah. you get what you can. Your playing yeah. career is a short career. I'm but just talking is- about from white caps. Budget management. Well, it's that's what not I'm saying. These things, these things aren't made. Um, you, you, when you bring in a Takioka, you can't then say, "Hey, Hassel, we're changing your deal. We're giving you more backup salary." Right. So, th- no, this deal was given to him when, with with the, with him being the eye to the number one, and um, and then in this offseason, obviously said we need to uh, Vanny, Axel, both of them, others said we need to be better. We need to get more from this position. Let's spend a little bit more. Let's bring someone in. You're right, though. The one way you could criticize him is then you need to move, move him on, loan him out, ha- whatever, like some do something, but so that it's not just kind of 
200 grand just sitting there or 200 grand plus yeah. just sitting there but also it, it doesn't help thomas like thomas is an excellent keeper and no, he's going to have a, a keeper. very long it, career ahead of him but he needs to be playing these years help him, they'll help him financially oh, yeah especially in a city like vancouver but he has to be playing he is not developing because he's not playing in the twos he's not playing for the first team he has to play so that's just why i just think yeah. it's a bad deal all, all round Laborda at 828,000. I think Laborda's a good player. He's probably worth that. But again, if you've got a player that's good and a player that's worth that, play him. I, I think, based on what we've seen so far, yes, it feels like a very bad uh, number. I think this one, you got to let it marinate a little bit more. Uh, I, I think in a year or uh, after a first or second season, uh, or even at the end of this season, let's say. If he is his contribution and his uh, starts are in line with what they've been in these first number of games, then yeah, it, it is bad. Um, and but, I, I, I should also stress as well: I'm not just saying play guys because of what their salaries are on. No, they have no, to no. obviously merit it and be good totally. to play. So I think that one, although it looks bad now, I agree with you. It looks bad now. I think it, that one, the long term things could could change on that. Yeah. Pedro Vite on basically 646,000. I've got that in the bad category just because I don't feel we've, we're getting output from him just yet to merit that. But there's definitely a good player there and hopefully that comes to turn out to be, oh, that's a fantastic, that's a bargain, that salary. Yeah, can you remind me, is he like a young DP still? Or was he I think he's one of the under 23. He DPs, was brought in right? as an under 23, yeah. Yeah, um, so that I mean that amount is in line with that kind of yeah slot. So I think it's a fair criticism to say the production is not there to be in that type of slot. But I think his trajectory is on the upward swing. Yeah, I, I've liked what I've seen from him so far. We just need that more consistent. Keep doing it. Ranko on five hundred eighty five hundred. When you've got black men on four hundred and fifty-one, and there's your difference between a domestic player and a guy that's coming from Europe, and I mean, I, I've said I, I didn't feel Rank has been worth the salary for the last couple of years. He's a good centre back. I just for that money, I feel you could get a much better centre back than what Rank is. I believe his contract's up at the end of this year. It's like. He's over in Serbia just now, dangle the little carrot to maybe any European teams if they want to have a look at him. Well, and he did get called in for Serbia in January, yeah. right? Um, but that was a domestic camp. It was like here in the US. Yeah. I think you're exactly right in terms of this is the difference between an American player and a, and a European player. But you also have to wonder what, what like how, how that plays out you know, relationally amongst all these people. Because mm. that is one of the maybe... Potentially, uh, you know, awkward things where you you look over and you're like, the, the guy next to me is making more than me, and I'm obviously contributing more, making less errors, or or whatever. Um, yeah, it well, makes it, makes Blackman look more like a, a obviously in the good category. Yeah, you've you've also then got this situation with Gressel, where he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year, and there's been all this talk all season about will the Whitecaps resign him, will they give him a new deal? So his deal just now is 940, which I'm saying is good value for what he's producing. But then he obviously needs to be on more than that 
to tempt him to stay. Is he worth more than that? Will another club give him more than that? And in MLS, they can renegotiate a deal in the middle of the year, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. They do with Rusty, right? Yeah, yeah. and you can obviously buy it down with various mechanisms as well. So it it looks better on paper. Yeah, you, you have to think if they're smart or, sorry, if they feel that they want to keep Gressel because he's produced so well in his time so far here, that it would be advantageous for them to do that. As opposed to say waiting to see what happens when the other offers come in, maybe thinking mm-hmm. about a lower number, not a lower than what he's on, but a lower than what they might have to offer him right in midseason to have him resign. And the, the um, better he, better the season he has, the more this number in his mind is going to be. But isn't there also limitations well? what a free agent can make? Isn't it like only five or ten or fifteen percent more or something? I isn't there... can't remember that. You might be right. It does kind of ring a bell. Yeah. Because I know but, Kai Kamara always had that issue. He felt yeah. he wasn't getting offers of what he feels he would so he would skip free agency and then go to be like a, a like unattached or whatever yeah, yeah. so with, with Gressel though I think the Whitecaps can't take that uh take that risk because or sorry I don't think depending on if they have a right of you know uh of offering or matching an offer or whatever um you can't take that risk if it if it is only a five or ten or fifteen percent increase you got to think they they would offer him something at least at that mark or a little bit above to try and say, Hey, let's, let's have your next year be, you know, that much of a raise and even future years, maybe even be beyond that potentially. But then as we talked about before, you've got the states that offer tax free status to some of these guys. Oh, yeah, and then yeah. stuff Suddenly they earn so much more money, but he's settled here. He seems happy here. His wife's pregnant again with her second child. So it's all those factors to take into account. And but that's, I mean, for the Whitecaps, you're pl- you're playing on an uneven playing field that you chose to play on. So you True. can't say, hey, this this field sucks, but you, you chose to play there. <laughs> you know what but I mean? if, if they said, well, I'm going to move to the CPL, we wouldn't have any of this talent because the salary cap's so much lower. Right. And at this point, obviously, the CPL wouldn't welcome them. No, because obviously <laughs> they don't want the Whitecaps to win week in, week out, and uh, beating seasons like the old CSL days. Yeah, I don't think that's quite it, but... Um, on the ugly side, aside from Tiber, the two I've put in here, and I, again, nothing against the players, but Alessandra Schopf, who I think is a quality player, but on nine nine two and a half, isn't producing what you want from a player on no. that just now, and he's maybe still not at his best. We've seen glimpses. I hope he proves me wrong by the end of the year. And Cordova at one point oh five. It's. As soon as you've got that DP tag, as soon as you're making more than a million, you've got those shackles on you that you have to perform. He knows that. He but has well, to the, find his goal-scoring form soon. To, to counterbalance the, the the ugly status for for these two, I think I remember uh, a, a European whitecap back in the day saying, in MLS era saying, you know, people here are like, think some of the salaries are crazy or whatever, but like, they aren't on the level of Europe. And so you here you have two players who are experienced players playing in, coming from European situations where I do, I can't vouch for the actual contracts that they were on in the in their their previous uh, spells in, in Europe and Germany specifically, but um I don't know that their wages here would be out, you know, crazy outlandish, you know, in com- comparatively speaking to what they were or could have been make, making uh, over there. 
So that's the only the only counterbalance I would say. I I don't disagree that they're, they they fall in the ugly category at this moment, but I don't think that their wages are necessarily crazily out of whack with their value in the larger footballing world. No, that is very very fair, and that's what we always like to be on the AFTN Soccer Show. But that is our chat for our salaries. Let us know your thoughts on them. I know there's been a lot of chat on social media this week. That is it for the MLS chat too. We've got one more part to go. We're going to be talking FIFA World Cups. And we've got a fantastic song to kick off this part as well. We'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Jay Herman and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Back in the day, before the draw, I wore spliffy jeans and NAFCO 54 But that wasn't the look I was going for, there was a missing piece to this jigsaw I wanted more to my attire, to make my look hotter than a deep fat fryer Then I found it, love at first sight, this was fashion at its height Hold the front page, let me shout about the best brand in the world without a doubt. You better join us, cause you'll never beat us. I'm Mike Ball, and I'm wearing Adidas. He's Mike Adidas, he's like Jesus. Wearing a tracksuit, he's Mike Adidas. He's Mike Adidas, he's like Jesus. Wearing a tracksuit, he's Mike Adidas. I wear Adidas on the street, and when I'm doing my raps, over this beat, Adidas shoes on my feet, Adidas hat on my head I'll be wearing Adidas in my coffin when I'm dead Adidas wallpaper, cushions on my seat, got an Adidas towel Underpants and bed sheets, got loads of Adidas trainers I could wear But I always ends up putting on the same pair The others are in boxes, like in a museum, I'll charge an entry fee If you wanna come and see them, I might wear Fila but I won't wear Nike other brands don't mean shit to Mike I love Adidas so much that it's strange I'd even contemplate wearing the women's range He's Mike Adidas, he's like Jesus Wearing a tracksuit, he's Mike Adidas He's Mike Adidas, he's like Jesus Wearing a tracksuit, he's Mike Adidas Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM And kicking off this part, friends of the show Goldie Lucan Chain from Newport in Wales with their new single, Mike Adidas, all about Mike Balls. He's Mike Adidas, he's like Jesus, Zach. Mentions Adidas and Jesus, it's your ideal song. You're going to love this when you hear it, I'm sure. You'll be singing it all week. I'll let you know. Mm. It's great to see them back. I had my Newport Corinthians at Dragon Top on Polista, I was doing commentary this week at TSS because Seattle were town, their dragon shirt. I thought I'll wear the better dragon one. It's sponsored by Goldie Luke and Chain as well. So it was then great to see that they had their new single out this week. It, it's, it's nice to, to have good things to talk about because we're not talking about good things next. <laughs> In my mind, you may, you, maybe you'll convince me otherwise. No, I won't give it to you, but... Okay. The official 2026 World Cup branding, emblem, logo, whatever you want to call it, it came out this week, and in my mind, it's fucking awful. You said it maybe isn't. No, uh, yeah, you know, looking, I'm looking at all the, the history of the ones. Of the yeah. Other- I sent you that cause they sent that out in the media release, and I was like, "I don't think that was a good idea to put that out in the media release." <laughs> of what yeah, the other, other ones have looked like. A number of these other ones are not great, right? No, yeah, some some of them are 
are horrible. Like they, they released the emblem history. Like Spain '82 is pretty bad. I'm sorry. I'm going to open these back up again as we look at this. Uh, what we'll say about the the FIFA 2026 one is it's not just hideous on one level. Each of the 16 hosts get their own color variation of it to make it hideous on a number of levels. Oh, is that all it is? A color variation? Yeah. Each city, and it ties in with the city. Vancouver looks to be like blue and gold from what I can kind of tell. But yeah, if we look at some of the previous ones, I asked you to kind of pick your favourites and your least favourites. Espana 82 is quite basic. It's the Spanish flag with a football. That one is, 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 is awful. I know you're going to like the Germany one, but it's just some very... Which, which one? Which one? Oh, sorry, Germany 2006. Yeah, but that one, I, I, I actually... I don't actually... I don't like it because of all the colors, but I like it because I went there and because it was in Germany, you know what I mean? So, like, aesthetically, I don't like it, but I, I have, like, a, a nostalgic attachment to it. I, I Like, they've really changed it. Because yeah. the early days... Uh, it was like a cool poster. Yeah. And like I love... Propaganda posters. They're, they're my... Yeah. They're, good job Germany didn't host it. Um, well, Italy. Italy won. Oh, yeah. Italy's one from... Italy was 34, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 I, I like the first one, the, the Uruguay one. I, I like the first Brazil one as well from yeah. 1950. The Swiss one's very basic. It looks more like a Swiss bank. Yeah, it looks like the, the the what's it called IMF or something. Yeah, I I really like Chile in '62. It's got the well, stadium. You like, you, you like violence, so. <laughs> oh, that famous game from that World Cup. Yeah. Obviously, the '66 one just makes me want to be sick. Just looking at it, I've got some sick in my mouth. I mean, some Me- of them actually are. They're more basic than I actually thought they were. When Mexico '70, like, why down. is it blue? I don't understand. Like. <laughs> Blue balls even, in Mexico. Even like Germany 74, it looks like, is that like a take on a Saudi Arabia flag? Yeah, it looks like a little bit like the Pakistan flag. Yeah, Pakistan, yeah. It, it, but it, I know Germany's second color was always green, but why is it green? I guess, I don't know. The Argentina 78 is not bad. Spain 82 is awful. Uh, Mexico 86 is better than 70, but not by much. Yeah, it looks like it's it, some kind of news show about football or something. Italian 90 is not great, but I like the font. Um, yeah, USA... I, I like the kind of the the ball kind of like the three D effect almost of it. You, USA don't like it because it's the American flag, but it, it actually is probably. Pretty I, I quite like. It. I think it's quite striking. No yeah. pun intended, because their mascot was called Striker. Striker. Yeah, it's I mean, I don't like it because it's the US, but I think it's very fitting. Again, but you go so go to even go to like France, like how what like it's a ball coming over the horizon of the world. Of the yeah, world. like that's not great. I mean, you know? I. When, when I first saw the 2026 one, and I was like, oh, this is this is terrible. It's like a joke. But then you look at some of the other ones, and you're like, oh, some of them are awful. Yeah. But they've done it. I, I tell you what I think are the two best ones is 2014 Brazil and 2018 Russia. Russia, yes. You've, and you've got the World end, Cup logo, and you've got things with it. And I don't know why they didn't do that. It looks like the trophy, yeah. Yeah. And J- J- uh, Japan, Korea is similar. Yeah. Yeah. So someone came up with a great one that was doing the rounds on social media that combined like the Mexican and American and Canadian like iconology and like maple leaves and Azteca designs and stuff and it looked amazing and I don't know why they didn't go for something like that. 
even even South Africa, like again, I don't love the colors, but at least I know they're from their flag. Yeah, it's it's it feels like and the font again the font like it feels like yeah that's South it's South Africa's World Cup you know like but yeah this one it feels like a giant number font with the trophy in the middle and yeah I, I, it's it feels to me though that this is what it's now going to be going forward just by what they've said in the press release oh that's because that's like they've said for the first time in history. An image of the actual trophy and the tournament yeah. hosting year is being detected, be, being depicted. But nothing of the culture of any of the hosts. No. Forming an innovative design language that anchors the FIFA World Cup emblem for 2026 and beyond. No, that's not good. So I agree the fact that it, they're saying a design language for the next one and beyond makes me think every year now is just going to be this. No, we need to go back to the Brazil 1950 or... Yeah, stuff like that. Or it, even... it looks like something you would have come up with in the nineties when computers were just like, "Oh, I've got the World Cup trophy. I'll stick that on the yeah. uh, horrendous font." Yeah, like it feels like twenty six is like it's a is that the year of obesity? Like it's so <laughs> it's so big. It's kind of it's almost a little bit like it's a bird's beak. It's like two chubby birds. <laughs> Oh man! I, yeah. I won't make the joke okay. I was going to make. The, the more, the, <laughs> yeah, you better not. The more we talk about it, the less I like it. Ah, uh, yeah. I, I just, I, I don't, I, I, I still, in one sense, maybe don't feel like it's the, the worst of them, but, but at the same time, it feels like a missed opportunity for sure. And the other thing, which feels weird in this, you know, someone got paid a ton of yeah. money to make that thing, it's and probably millions, like, and every, and every single person's like. I could have gone on Canva and made the exact yep. same thing or better. Yep. The, Colin Smith, the FIFA World Cup CEO, said, and I copied this quote in, Today's launch is the culmination of an exciting cl collaboration between FIFA and the 16 host cities. Now, I will say, each host city having its own colour scheme and design, that's quite neat. I like that, if it was a better design. Then he says, months ago... We embarked on a creative journey together to ensure that the colours, cultures, people and places <laughs> synonymous with each city were ingrained in every element of the city brand identities. I haven't seen this. Have they come out with these ones yet? They're, they're, yeah, they're all out. They were announced oh. the next day. Um, I, I don't think I sent you that. I've got it up. How did I miss them? I've seen stuff on the Vancouver Facebook page. So for for the main one, they went with black, white, and gold. Gold yeah. being the trophy. Because they wanted a restrained color palette to let the trophy shine. Oh, but I see instead, that. I... the trophy just looks stupid. Yeah, it looks lonely. It looks uh -huh. like a poster. It looks like the poster I have of the World Cup from like the, the 90s. Okay, I see. Sorry, I see the other ones now. And uh -huh. some of them are, some of them, most of them are awful. Yeah. It's just like throwing it's some just colors, colors. Uh-huh. Except for the one. San Francisco has the bridge in the background. Oh, in Atlanta. Well, they've said as well for the main 26 design, the year 2026 is composed of 48 units to represent the 48 nations who will compete. Sorry, what now? Yeah. So they're talking about the shape of it. So they're like, the use of squares and quarter circles gives the mark of a timeless simplicity 
with subtle references to the squared edges of the pitch and the circle of the ball. The year 2026 is composed on 48 units, which I don't understand, to represent the 48 nations competing. So there's 48 squares or whatever. Yeah, there must be. That's dumb. Yeah. Vancouver's is very boring. And then they're going with the tagline, we are 26. I wish it was 26. Happy days. Britpop was in its ascendancy. Ah. East Fife had a decent team. Why is Toronto yellow and blue? I guess blue well, is their team. I don't understand what some of the colour schemes are for at all. They, yeah. they have got a... Well, Boston looks like the Celtics. Well, Wait, got Boston, and, Boston and Seattle are the same. Or they're just maybe a different shade. They'll be slightly different because each yeah. one is slightly different. What colour what color is Vancouver's? It looks I'm like blue and gold to me. Okay. Which I haven't seen anything explain why, because they had an event here, but none of the like football media were invent- invited to it. It's it was just the, the city that had it. So they've they've got a portrait campaign for We Are Twenty Six, and BC Place is one of the nine images that's featured on it. So that's kind of cool. Good job we're in, really, and it, it does look very striking. It's it, it's great to have that on it. But just overall, I just think this is just such a wasted opportunity. Yes. And it could have done so much more to capture the three unique cultures. Because you've got three hosts on the same continent that are very different countries. And they've got very different cultures and identities. And you you had this chance to put it all in the in the branding and they've just completely missed it. Let's talk about other better FIFA World Cup stuff because the FIFA Under-20 World Cup is in full flow. Have you seen any of it, Zach? No. Because I've been speaking to a couple of people this weekend about it and every single person said the same thing. Oh, I didn't know it was on. Where can I watch it? It's on TSN. But folk have just seemed to miss it. But there is, as I've said, so much football on just now. But... Wait, TSN has football on. Yeah, it's oh. got the it's got the Canadian rights to it. Elsewhere in the world, you can watch all the games on FIFA Plus, the their own streaming app. But in Canada, it's all on TSN. They haven't been showing all the games, but they've shown most of the games. And th- there's been some cracking games so far. I want to start off by saying well done to Jay Herdman's New Zealand. They got off to a winning start. Jay played 89 minutes. New Zealand beat Guatemala 1-0 and fantastic. Sets them up well for the rest of the tournament. Elsewhere in their group, Argentina had a fantastic game against Uzbekistan. Argentina fell behind to Uzbekistan, got it back on level terms. Then Uzbekistan got a penalty that I still think should have been a penalty. I don't think it was clear and obvious to overturn it. But video review ruled it out, and then Argentina came away with a 2-1 victory. This tournament is in Argentina. They need Mm. the hosts to do well. But an interesting thing about this tournament, Zach, video review, the referees are mic'd up, and they announce the decision to the crowd and to the people at home. I love it. I hope it keeps going, and I hope they have this for everything. To clear up the misunderstanding for fans in the stadium, to clear up any misunderstanding for fans at home and for the commentators as well. 
who may not have the full grasp on it. It hasn't been had to be used much so far, but it's been used well. I really like it. I definitely hope it continues. Just a couple of other games to quickly talk about. US needed stoppage time to beat Ecuador 1-0. England got through 1-0 as well. Korea beat France today in a cracking match 2-1. I might actually be in Sunday. I'm mixing my days up. Um, Gambia and Honduras was a, a cracker as well. And Gambia won that 2-1. Honduras equalised but had a goal ruled out by video review. Fantastic stuff. Check it out. And again... Good luck to Jay Herman and Finlander of the Whitecaps and hopefully New Zealand can go on a bit of a run in this tournament. But that is it, pretty much for the football chat. We've got this week's wavelength to bring you though and I'm keeping the World Cup theme going. It's by an Atlanta, Georgia artist this week called P. Way, also known as Professor Whaley. Uh, This is from 2000. This is his hip-hop soccer anthem, Copa Mundial. To all the true fans, you have to know the facts You have to break it down, you have to take it back Before the SSCs was the All Blacks And it doesn't stop there, oh no, it goes back Call me Mr. Hustle on the basketball court But soccer still is my favorite sport I played since I was five, it helped keep me alive We used to roll from Brazil to the tournament to Mumbai Bumping 415, cool nut, rolling up 12 deep to the field like Yeah, what's up? None of y'all know me Hold me, Max and full back and double J playing goalie. We on a mission, stopping all competition. Attacking your pack, bro. Shane Watkins and Shiny Simpson and all my focus. And everybody wearing copas. Shaking fools in the game. Giddy was the dopest. And Kim Ty was legendary on the field. They talk about a skill from Frisco to Brazil. If you want to know the old school players on the roster, check the picture on the wall. It's Sunset Soccer. And pay tribute because the history's deep. And you know we on point like corner kicks from Sharif. Me, I still kick the ball. I never quit. Got level the game. Locks hang like Ruhu Lick. Yeah, and it don't stop. Free souls in the house and it don't stop. Yeah, straight go by, go by. Breaking in that knowledge about that window of my Break down the math, 11 on 11, 245 minute halves No matter how fast, no matter how much skill The ball is still the quickest player on the field And that's real, watch the run, cause one touch is hard to follow If not Kobe's types, it's four lottos Or Puma Grand Finale, it's like a finale If my team is down, we always rally With the World Cup mentality Nothing but 100% is what my team gets out of me That's how I was raised, coach to play, to pave the way With my music like Pele I play to win, so my jersey is dirty Defending my goals just like 
Indiana scurvy. Quick as Kobe Jones when I give a dose. Try to dribble too much, you get slide tackle for show. Control my flow like George Weah. Sporting Adidas, been doing this for years. Soccer's a white sport, was all I used to hear. But travel the world, the most colorful games played. It's the Copa Copa. Way there, Copa Mundial, rounding off tonight's show and the World Cup chat. It's been a lot to chat about. Zach, thank you for being with me again. Any final thoughts from you this week? Any goodbyes? Anything funny that's caught your eye? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary. I'm occasionally tweeting there. Um, I think, yeah, this was a penultimate weekend of uh, Bundesliga football and it was... Uh, Bundesliga is, continues to be such an incredible league. I know you, some people don't like it for various reasons, like yourself, Michael, but it's it, incredible. I, I haven't Ooh. actually looked at the standings of oh, late. Have Bayern won it? No, of course not. Don't. No, uh, it's it's, well, Ooh, it's been the, the tightest. Just now. They're, they're in second, Michael. Actually, they're <gasps> gonna they're probably gonna lose for the first time in a decade. Oh, now I might start watching it. Yeah, there's one week left, but no, um, it's been uh, a great season. Um, for so many different reasons, but uh, the, the one thing I want to give a shout out today was uh, uh, this weekend was uh, a striker named Nils Peterson had his uh, final home game for for Freiburg. He's a, a center forward who's scored a bunch of goals coming through places like Cutbus, played for um, Bayern, I think a little bit for Vertebrae, but really made his home at Freiburg. He, um, I think, he's all time leading scorer actually actually in, in for Freiburg in the Bundesliga. Um, but he is for sure the all-time leading scorer uh, as the Joker, or what's known as the Joker in Germany, which is uh, he has the most goals as a substitute in Bundesliga history. Um, he is, I think, now 34 because he scored again uh, this weekend as he came off the bench as a sub once again uh, to help lead his team to the victory and take a step closer to, uh, their I think, their first ever Champions League berth. 
Um, so yeah, just shout out to to, to Nils uh, and sure to to for that. Oh yeah, of course, of course he's listening. But no, it, uh, I'm really looking forward to the last weekend. Dortmund's likely going to smash Mainz. Yeah, I was just looking to see who they're playing. So they're playing ninth, and then Bayern's playing the tenth. Yeah, but, two teams yeah. with nothing to play for, and Mainz have lost their last four games. They have yes, but Mainz. I mean, Mainz have had a, actually a, a fairly um respectable season on the whole um yeah they're in poor form right now but um I, Dorman at home i think is just gonna is gonna smash them again i can't see there's been such a back and forth in these last number of weeks uh byron and Dorman have switched a few times and so i can't see it switching on the final day of the season mm. although that has happened before Bundesliga history um and i, I wouldn't mind if it, if it went that way so uh, is this saturday or sunday uh, Saturday. So this is actually something else. So all the games are all it's all at the same time, right? They're, yeah. Like, yeah. The, the crappy thing that. was about this weekend, Michael, and I was all ready for it. And then when I, I looked at I looked at the the you know went on to Sportsnet World to PVR stuff, I was like, wait, what? This is the I don't know if it's the first time they switched, but I I did not like it because they used to do the the penultimate match day and the final match day. Both of them were all at the same time. So your mm. last home game and your last away game. Oh. We're all everyone's playing at the same time, and I really hope they go back to that because that would have made this weekend even even better, I think, um, than than it already was. And um, but yeah, there were some, just some, like I said, some some huge gaffes, some amazing goals, uh, even some good defending. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just I, I, I will watch that this weekend because it'll be in Sportsnet as well. I guess one of the games, probably. Yeah, the the, game. the I think the Bayern game is scheduled to be on, or is it the Dortmund one? I forget. One of them is scheduled to be on. Regular Sportsnet, one of them is on Sportsnet World. And then depending on your package, you can obviously watch stuff uh, on online as well. But yeah, uh, Fonzie's out injured. That's partly mm. the reason, in my opinion, for Byron's fall. But um, not holistically the reason, but part. Is he going to be good for June? Oh, he's on the preliminary list, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, hopefully. He is back. I think, well, he was back in on the pitch. I don't know if doing, not in full training. Um and I don't think he'd be, no matter where he's at, I'm pretty sure they're not going to risk him this weekend. But I, in theory, I think he should be available for Canada. Now, obviously, Byron would probably wish that he would take the summer to rest. But mm. I think Canada needs him for both uh, Nations League and for Gold Cup. And so hopefully those are good for his recovery and, re and you know getting ready for the season and returning to form. And potentially even in an ideal world, in my, my ideal world, signing a, a, a contract extension at Byron. But, or going to Real Madrid? I saw that no, rumor. No, that, that well, hopefully not. And that hopefully not to Man City or something like that. Either. Oh, that would be awful. Oh, definitely would. It's really interesting though. Uh, if Dortmund do win the title, they'll have won the title the year after they sold Holland. So they never won with Holland, <laughs> but then they sold them and then oh, won. Of course, Holland won his first year at yes. City. Yeah. But yeah, that was looking like a good battle, and then it just came off the rails quickly for Arsenal. Also, uh, Vancouver FC is playing Sunday, five o'clock, uh, versus the mighty Valor FC out at uh, out at Willoughby. I will miss it. I will be commentating on altitude. Sadly, I, I haven't got out to a game yet, but hopefully, hopefully soon I will get to a game. Well, there, you'll be there on the Tuesday for in June for sure. Tuesday. There's a Tuesday game in June, June twentieth against Forge. Oh yeah, I think that is one I can definitely make. Yeah, there you go. So there we go. Um. I've been watching the English and Scottish playoffs and oh, yeah. it's been some fa fantastic stuff. Did you see what happened in the Sheffield Wednesday Peterborough game? No. no. Right. So, first leg, Peterborough, Darren Ferguson, Alex's son is the boss. Yeah. 
Four nil, one at home. Looked like they were fine. They were going to be in the final. Four nil lead. Sheffield Wednesday. Well, at the end of that game as well, there's a Sheffield Wednesday fan, a young lad, fucking knob, that had his ticket for the second leg, ripped it up on camera, threw it away, and went fuck them. So Sheffield United won the second leg five one. Wait, United or Wednesday? Oh, sorry, Sheffield Wednesday won yeah. the second leg five one. Uh, which made it 5 all in aggregate, and then it went to penalty shootout, and Sheffield Wednesday won and got through to the final. It was so much drama. Cause Is this it, the championship? Yeah. Yeah, because Sheffield United... Oh, no, United, sorry, it's, it's, it's League One to it's go League to one. the championship. Right, because right, Sheffield United got, is promoted out yeah, of the... So they, yeah, so they're in the, yeah. the Premier League. So, no, this is League One to the championship. Yeah. So it was it was 4-0 after the first leg, then Sheffield Wednesday scored early... Then it was 2-0 at half-time, so it was 4-2. Then they got a third goal, and they were throwing everything at it. And then something like the 98th minute, they, they scored the equaliser and made it 4 all. And I was trying to say to, to Caitlin, who doesn't like football, went, this is why sport and football is so magical. Oh, yeah. oh, Just yeah. it's the raw emotion, because you saw the Sheffield Wednesday folk going mental, and then you saw the despair on Peterborough and it's tied at four all, goes to extra time, Peterborough take the lead, and then run over to the Sheffield Wednesday fans, and it's all like, shh. And then they somehow did not, Sheffield Wednesday should have had a guy sent off, and it, it wasn't, and then they got the fifth goal, and then it went to penalties, and then they won in penalties. It was an absolutely incredible. The, the, there's 21 minute highlights on YouTube Go find it, people, if you want to watch that. It's, it's tremendous stuff. And I, the weekend before, like last weekend, I'd watched the National League playoff to get into the Football League, which was Notts County and Chesterfield. Because Notts County had finished second to Wrexham and they'd got over 100 oh, points yes. in the season. And it looked like they weren't going to go up and they needed a late goal to take it to extra time and then they won as well and... So it's been absolutely tremendous drama and in, in Scotland as well there's been some, some great playoff games. Albion Rovers have dropped out of the Scottish League. The Spartans are now in the Scottish League. It's a little Edinburgh club. Fantastic yeah. story. They're actually a really good community club. Folk kind of hate them a little bit because they're a posh club. They're a yeah. sports club. But they do so much for the community. I'm Delighted to see them in the football. League. I'm looking forward to the German, uh, the German uh, promotion relegation playoff. I was just so, looking. at it, it said Bochum. Well, it's not determined. Oh there's, yes. Going into the last game, there's so Hertha Berlin got relegated this weekend for the seventh time, I think, in their history, um, and so they they are down. Um, but uh, the old lady. Um, but uh, I think there's five teams that could still either finish in that second relegation spot or in the relegation playoff spot. So it will be interesting to see how the, how the, the last weekend plays out at the bottom of the table as well as the top. Um, and then, but it is determined in the second division that uh, Ha S foul uh, Hamburg will get their, uh, get another shot at trying to make their return to the Bundesliga after their first ever relegation. What oh, was it yeah. like three, four or five years ago? Probably like, I can't even remember how long it's been now, but it's been a while. I was going to make a Wayne Rooney, old lady going down joke but I'll save that for a 
for another show. I'll wait till we play DC United. And on that note, let's end this one. Thank you for being with us. Just enjoy this wonderful feast of football, as I keep saying every week. We've got Canadian Championship this week. There's more MLS, CPL, League One BC. Get out and support whatever club you live near. Go and watch some live football. There's nothing like it. It's a great game. The emotions are just wonderful. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. And mourn the Caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. <laughs>